Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What up, everybody? Perfect timing with the nice breakdown of the song. The beat just dropped. Anyways, happy Monday night, everybody. This is episode 125 of the Nick and Matt Show live here on YouTube. We appreciate you all hanging out with us on this wonderful Monday night. Uh, we're super excited. we got a ton of awesome things. Dylan Cease, professional baseball player, coming in to talk to us about some new and exciting things that he's getting involved with in the, in the disc golf world. And then we also got some pro tour, uh, disc golf pro tour coverage starting up next week, or actually this weekend with the all-star event. <laughs> but we've also got a new media plan. Uh, intern Ben is actually back with us in studio tonight. Hello. He is free of the COVID. Yes. Matt is here. Evan <laughs> oh, is... Oh, you had COVID? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Evan is also with us, not personally in studio. Go ahead and throw him up on the screen. Boom. So we got everyone... We also the party today. Yeah, we also got a new game lined up tonight. We're not going to spoil anything. Not yet, at least. Not yet. But another Statmando game coming for you guys. We are the Nick and Matt show. So you got to have a little game show going along with it. Absolutely. I just talked to somebody. I was playing team challenge as you were this weekend, mm -hmm. New England thing. And somebody out there was saying that they listen during work. They don't hear half of what we say, but they're glad it's disc golf in the background. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, you know, like that's this. It's fun. That's what our purpose exactly. was. It's a sports show, disc golf sports mm -hmm. show. You play it while you're at work. So perfect. Um, man, I have a few quick intro things this week. I lined out about 20 different talking items. So we're definitely not getting to all of them, mm -hmm. but let me do a quick one. LWS. Does that stand out to you? Do you recognize that? Yeah. From anywhere? Yeah. Okay. LWS tax and accounting. It sounds super exciting. It's tax. How do taxes make <laughs> you feel? <laughs> Not good. It sucks. <laughs> yes. And uh, here at the Nick and Matt show, we have to deal with taxes as well. Mm -hmm. Everyone deals with taxes. And I was like, oh man, it's just starting to turn into too much for me. Well, through the awesomeness of the internet and disc golf and people that you meet, people that you get to know, I texted the president of LWS tax and accounting. Cause we've had him on the show before. Blake Schaefer. Yeah. Yep. Blake. What's up, man. And he said, Oh, I'm here to take care of you guys. You're going to be all set. And I was like, really? Cause this seems a little bit overwhelming. He's like, just send me all this stuff. We'll get it done. You know, he's like, we're running right now. Pre like pre real deep tax season. Mm -hmm. He's like, we're running like five or six days. You know, we can turn it around. And that's pretty good, man. Yeah. I send it to him in the afternoon of one of these weekdays and no joke by the next afternoon, he goes, do you want to know what your tax return is? And I'm like, 24 hours. That is insane. Now I told him I wouldn't promise everybody else 24 hours. <laughs> I don't know. He, he told yeah. the people in his office, like friend of the show. And so they worked really hard. Incredible. I will say if they can do it, they will. Amazing. We're really happy. <laughs> Going to continue to use them. Thank you, Blake. It's, it's incredible. And they yeah. do the, the um, sports management too. Yep. They had the agency along with them. They're also the presenting sponsor of the Idlewild Open now. So yeah. I think it's the Idlewild well, Open sponsored L by LWS. LWS Open. LWS Idlewild. Yeah. Oh, LWS <laughs> Open at Idlewild. Is what we're saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And if you go That's to what L everyone's saying, yeah. if you go to LWS, <laughs> no, we're saying it right now. Whatever it is, <laughs> I, I apologize. It's probably like LWS tax or something. I don't know. I apologize, Blake. But you can find a video of Blake as like the lead star in a music video, like a Bruno Mars song or something. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. it's all like super produced. Yeah. I'm like, this is a cool tax a firm or whatever you call them. So yeah, Blake, Blake's awesome. I got to meet him for a little bit over at worlds, like actually in person, hang out and talk with him for a bit when we were at the players party. 
It was either Worlds or Ledgestone, one or the other. Might have been Ledgestone now that I'm thinking of it. Anyways, great dude. Came right up to me, said hello, introduced himself, introduced myself in person. Just really awesome dude. And then to help us out with even just something as small as the Nick and Macho taxes that we have to do towards the end of the year. Um, was super awesome. Being able to uh, have disc golfers work with disc golfers is something that's just lovely about the sport. That was line item number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. Congrats to Nate and Valerie Doss. You may know Valerie Jenkins, but Mm -hmm. they're expecting a baby boy in July of this coming year. Um, Really awesome. People that are newer to the sport are like, Nate Doss, they're like, it rings a bell. Yes, he does the live (laughs) commentary. Val Jenkins should ring a bell. Yeah, live commentary. Between both of them, seven world championships, four for Valerie, three for Nate. Nate, when I first got into the sport, Matt introduced me about 10 years ago now, actually, into the sport. He was the man. He was the man <laughs> and to she be, was the and she was the woman to be, and uh, Nate was actually one of my favorite players when I first got into the sport. I finally actually got to meet and hang out with him at Worlds this year. That was one of the coolest experiences. Um, just, uh, I mean, if I fangirl every so often, Nate Doss was definitely one of the uh, first disc golf ones. So, that yeah. was super cool. Yeah. Go ahead, and Adam. something to know about them is they both retired pretty early as far as disc golfers go. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they chose retirement early. They're brewing beer. They have a brewery out in Bend, Oregon, as many people know of, and they're doing commentary, which mm-hmm. I think most people know of by now. Uh, so they're just living the life. Uh, very cool for them. Congratulations. Uh, with them. Wish them nothing but the best. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll continue to see them on screen too. Yeah, and I, I honestly think that both Nate and Valerie would be forces still in the disc golf world had they not dropped out. They chose yeah. to drop out not because they are per- poor performances, but because they had other dreams. So congratulations to them. That's line item number two. You guys are impressed? We're moving along. Line oh, yeah. item no, number three. Yeah. Wyatt Mahoney. I know mm-hmm. I bring him up fairly often awesome. because he's doing yeah. insane stuff. 13 years old. 13 years old, just won an MPO event in Florida. A B tier. 20 MPO competitors, B tier, 13 years old. That's his first MPO win at 13. That could very well be a record in the sport of disc golf. Now, there might be some outlier, like there was three in MPO and it was just people playing up Mm -hmm. and some kid did it. But like, this is legit. Like this was straight up legit. Went to a playoff, hit a big playoff putt to actually take the victory. And it's awesome. 13 years old winning an MPO event. Congratulations. My, My son... Back when he was like six or seven, was like within a stroke of Wyatt at most tournaments. Yeah. Wyatt is growing just up. Excelling. He's growing yeah. big, actually, in stature. And he's just accelerating. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, is it the next Gannon Burr? Now, I don't mean to like set him up for that, but like, yeah. good job, dude. It also sets up the Gannon Burr topic. It will. Evan, we cut Ooh. you off. I was just going to say, like, a kid like Wyatt just doing super good is one of those. You wish you played him when he was like nine and he was playing amateur divisions and, you know, us people who, you know, don't have a lot going for us as far as our playing career goes. Whoa, can whoa, beat them. Whoa. I'm saying I'm us as kidding. in like yeah. me and Matt, like Nick, not you. You're doing <laughs> great. I, I hope you know that wasn't directed to you. Ben has some glimpse of hope, I think. Um, but uh, <laughs> you beat them when they're young, and that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> My point being is, it's something accomplishment you can hold on to the rest of your life. If Wyatt Mahoney uh, ends up being uh, absolutely incredible in MPO, uh, you can be like, "Hey, 
I beat him once. I think uh, I think Terry Miller can say the same thing about Anthony Barella. There you go. JVD, True. I think. Yeah. That's a so good that's point. That's the point I'm trying to go for. That's as a good point. Terribly as I got to that. No, but that's a good point because I actually got to play Wyatt earlier this year. They were going to be up in the area, up at Meadowbrook. Shout out Dave Chandler and Meadowbrook Disc Golf Course. It was Wyatt. I've known him since he was younger. Like I said, the whole junior scene. And he's like, mm-hmm. let's play. And I said, I am out here to beat you. How much do you think you'll beat me by? And he gave me some strokes. If I'm not mistaken, I probably am. I beat him. But he was having an off round. <laughs> he, he wants revenge. Matt's again. over here having a round yeah. of his life. I just beat a 13 year old. And he's like, so good. But he's, yeah. it was an accident that I beat him totally. All right. Um, that topic is done. We're moving along. Text a topic is a thing at the Nick and Matt show now. If you have something that you think is relevant, a great point, or you want to talk, literally come on and talk live. Hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking. And intern Ben is going to be screening these. (laughs) So whatever comes through is his fault. Uh, So there, it's always on screen. If you want to text that number, we intern Ben is perusing the text. Yes, please text. Okay. We're doing good. 10 minutes in. Mm -hmm. Four topics. Here we go. This, let's just take the next eight minutes to talk about this. It's the biggest news that has been announced within the last 24 hours. Sorry to Dylan Cease in our green room, but it's true. (laughs) It's true. Gannon Burr announced this morning his transition out of Prodigy to who knows where. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's just not going anywhere. He's just like, I'm done with Prodigy. But he announced, thank you, Prodigy. I've been with you, I think he said six years. And I just thought things over, evaluated my situation how I thought things could go, how they are going. And this is a good move. I think I will grow and it will benefit from this move. Um, I want to say in the Nick and Matt show chat, as in not the live chat, sorry, our group chats between the show Mm -hmm. for the past week or so we've been going, is Gannon going to go somewhere? And all of us were like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But like, we're thinking maybe there was, there was enough rumblings. I don't know if rumbling is the right word. Whispers? Yeah. Matt, your your famous quote is, where there's smoke, there's fire. That's what you always yeah, say. that's true. And I kind of was wondering, you know, there's a big media announcement. I thought maybe there'd be another player announcement. Long story short, it happened, but it was a surprise to even me because it was yes. out of nowhere. Yeah. So I think it was a surprise for most. Yeah. First point I just want to make, then let's open it up to the discussion about Gannon leaving. Did... He learned from the Simon Lazat deal, like talk to almost nobody, like just keep it quiet, quiet, quiet. Or is it that the Simon Lazat deal was so much bigger that even if Gannon told people it wasn't going to be a rumor, I I tend to think he probably kept it very quiet after watching what happened to Simon. Yeah, I think more so in my opinion with that is that he probably kept it quiet. I think for the most part, I remember seeing a tweet by Drew Gibson where he was just saying, oh, this player to hear this player to hear. And then. He actually said Ganon to Discmania. And so curious if like he was throwing some shade out there or if he was actually like just trying to make a joke or whatever. But definitely kind of wild. I mean, we're in February. The all-star event is happening this weekend. So if anything, I feel like this weekend we're going to know what he's throwing at the all-star event. I would assume he's using his new bag. And so you would have to think in the next couple of days. Franklin that, discs. He yeah. set it up. Yeah, yeah, can exactly. I stop for a second? Yeah, Imagine if he it. shows up to all-stars with the Franklin yes. disc. The new Franklin disc yes. set. Yeah. And he's just like throwing that for one weekend. 
and then he goes to his new sponsor. Like yeah. that would be goat status right there. I feel like I feel like, like Ricky would be pretty pissed if he. <laughs> I, we have to clip that though. He no, did say on no. our show how good Franklin discs yeah, were. Foreshadowing. Okay, Evan, we've cut yeah, you. Yeah, it's off. obviously a joke, and that's just no, no, no. It, it's okay. We're having a discussion here. Like it, it's all it would obviously be a joke going with Franklin disc for All Stars. Yeah, but it would be such a like big <laughs> yes. moment yeah. that people would be talking about it for nonstop. And yeah, it won't be about the disc that his next uh, sponsor will be uh, throwing. I I can guarantee to you he's not going to franklin franklin disc as an actual sponsor but can you really uh, guarantee it <laughs> no i can't really guarantee that but i'm gonna i'm gonna say with my gut uh 99.99 chance he's not going to franklin disc but either way it's gonna get people talking about ganon burr so much and then when he does announce his next sponsorship he'll be the biggest name even if he was already a big name, I think it's a genius move. I think the sponsor just has to have uh, the heart for a little bit of fun to get that extra marketing. But I, yeah. I think it would be genius right there. I yeah. really hope he does it. I'm not getting my hopes up. Yeah, but I really star. Yep. I hope he does it. <clears throat> yep. D- we, in some weird way, we should bring Dylan in before we actually introduce him. We're, but we're going to actually do an official introduction for him. He's talking in our ears. Sorry, chat. Um, but well, I got I got something to say, and someone actually just brought Gannon. this up. I, yeah, someone just brought this up in the chat too. I mean, about a month ago, maybe a little bit less than that, we had Eagle McMahon on, Discmania sponsored player. Said he had a couple. Discmania has a couple aces up their sleeves. Yeah, and now we haven't really. Gavin Babcock was announced afterwards, so that could have been one of, but he did say, I'm pretty sure, a couple aces up the sleeve. No offense to Gavin. Is Gavin an ace? This might, I mean, I think in the disc golf world of when you're talking about players, he's a face card. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I agree, Matt. But But, um, definitely, this could be something that. This could be the ace up the sleeve that he's talking about. Yeah, I think I, I totally I totally agree there that he's the ace up the sleeve. Uh, what I do want to say that we were kind of talking about earlier is it's wild that it's happening so late in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And that tells me there's a lot of moving parts leading mm-hmm. up to this with yeah. with um, Simon Lazat. There was a ton of moving parts that were moving before last season ended, it seems. And it just takes a long time for these to work out. We know that Simon was still in a contract and a buyout was involved or allegedly. Um, and then for Gannon Burr, he was still on a contract. He said it on the show that he was under contract for another year. Uh, so we're going to assume a buyout happened with this one. Uh, who really knows? Uh, we'll hopefully find out. Um, but that tells me there's a lot of moving parts and he might've been planning this move for a while. Uh, but it's, that's why he has to be so quiet is because all this yeah. is still under wraps. It's nothing is official until it is official. Uh, but what I will say is I'm sure he was, throwing the disc of maybe a little bit more than Simon was ahead of his MVP move. Simon, of course, had a couple more weeks uh, to get used to MVP before hitting all-stars, but mm-hmm. I would be shocked wherever Gannon goes, if he wasn't already throwing their disc for maybe a month or so uh, around that time range, but he's good enough that he doesn't need to. Otherwise it'll be interesting seeing him play. So all-stars. Th- this makes me wonder now we're talking about alleged buyouts that are happening in these players contracts for them to be able to move from one company to another. Are we going to see in the next few years, these buyouts become increasingly more in value to where let's say I wanted to buy out Gannon Burr. Let's say Prodigy has a $2 million buyout on him because they know what they have and they don't want to lose him in that sense. And so now I'm kind of like, are buyouts going to increase? Cause we've seen over the last couple of years, a lot of players have left mid contract. And this is something that lawyers and agencies have not now gotten involved in the sport, but to see so many players at this point leaving their contracts midterm towards the end of their term of their contract is kind of wild to see. I'm actually excited to have Dylan on the show, maybe get a little insight on what happens in the MLB world when it comes to contracts and stuff like this. (laughs) But obviously that's on a much, much higher scale. Don't get me wrong, but just the idea of 
all this happening. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, what I will say is I'll be shocked if this buyout was near $1 million. Yeah. That, again, was yeah. that alleged Simon amount. I yeah. think what we will see is players having a set amount like Simon did uh, with his Dismania contract, that there was a set amount that a t- uh, another sponsor has to hit. I I would not be surprised if that was the the commonplace for all these pros to then have, hey, I want a specific buyout number that I have in my contract. So if another sponsor comes calling, here's the number. It's not going to be near 1 million, but I'll see a lot of, you know, 50,000 to 200,000 and maybe approaching that like mid you know, six digits of like 500,000 in range. Okay. Something like that. Okay. My final thoughts on this one, I'm not going to disclose sources or that I have sources or that I was for sure on this, but there were a handful of things that led me to keep bringing this up through the past few weeks. And it happened. That being said, I have zero idea about where he's going. Mm-hmm. So I might've had this drift in my head. I knew unofficially knew but where he's going, absolutely do not know. But I like to play out the story. Simon uh, Eagle on our show saying uh, ace up the sleeve. The idea that uh, allegedly there was a buyout from Simon, his contract. So Discmania sitting on a million dollars and they go, let's go out shopping. And mm-hmm. they go over and they try to get Gannon. And they say, Gannon, we'll give you, I'm making up numbers, everybody, $500,000. Um, and you got to pay off your prodigy contract, whatever that was for the next five years worth or whatever it is, right? Something along those lines. Gannon sees money. He said on our show, what, two weeks ago, he goes, it's not money for me. It's not money. It's mm-hmm. play first, play first. But the funny thing is he's going through this when we were talking yeah. to him. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know. Yeah. But like, so anyways, I don't know where he's going to go. Legacy. Is that a good one? Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. Is that a good yeah. one? Millennium. An open bag. I don't think so. I think yeah. if I had to roll the dice right now, I like Discmania. Yep. I think odds-wise, I think they have the biggest odds right now. And they just got a little bit of money, potentially. And then, yeah, exactly. It makes it, sense. And go ahead, I just want to say, what if MVP drops this? They're no. like, hey, we got no. Samazon. <laughs> Everyone saw that coming. Just be We got Ganon, too. Uh, yeah, other questions. I mean, Innova. I mean, like, what if Discraft yeah. gets them? They yeah. already made a huge splash. Maybe you have the best no. team. Uh, and then get Ganon Burr as well. That'd be, so, that'd be crazy. Big news, obviously. And we've never seen it this late in the season. That This big of a level. Um, and then we're not going to talk about it right now. But why contracts? I was starting to get animated pre-show yeah. in our yeah. pre-show talk. If we're going to do contracts, why do they even matter? Because everybody's just blowing them off. Mm-hmm. So the contracts are either horrible or it's in the player's favor or the players are making decisions based off of poor information when they make the contracts. Whatever it is, I get it. Gannon was in a, quote, contract year. He didn't have, he even said on our show that his salary or contract was based off of previous seasons. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. We'll ask Dylan. Let's bring in Dylan. Let's welcome Dylan to the show, everybody. Um, Dylan Cease, Chicago White Sox, Major League Baseball pitcher, doing things that we will never even dream. Well, we might dream of it, but only in our dreams. Welcome to the show, Dylan. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We had you on, I think, sometime last year, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was, yeah, right after Vegas. uh, Season 2021. Yeah. Last time. Okay. I, I guess we're just uh, townhouse. I guess we're just making a yearly Dylan C show. <laughs> so once a year, we'll have it right before the All Star event happens. Bam, we got Dylan C's. Also, the proud owner now of a piece of property that is eventually going to become a disc golf course and all the things with it. First and foremost, I think let's talk about that Cactus Rock. 
Is that the name that I'm hearing? Cactus Rock. All right. Yep. Give us why Cactus Rock and then give us all the details about it. Yeah. So it really, it's kind of two years in the making. Um, at the end of every season, I've been going down to Tuscaloosa and playing a, a tournament called Title Town with my twin brother. And there I met a couple of his buddies who own a landscaping company who also have an interest in building a course. So uh, we kind of just got to talking and I was like, hey, do you think like, you think if we built a course and made it really nice and did it, you know, did it right and all that, people would come and they said, yeah, we want to do it. So uh, basically for like two years, we've kind of just been looking at land and then um, the uh, the right land, the right price, kind of everything fell, fell into, uh, fell where it needed to fall and then uh really we've just been kind of like slowly chipping away at it and uh yeah somehow some way we got to the point where we've closed the land and we've got the course designed and uh now all we got to do is build it now i heard the course designer decently well-known guy in the sport of disc golf six-time world champion paul Macbeth, is, who helped you design this course and um, do you have any, I know this is very early on stages, but do you have any sort of specific timeline that you would like to see all of this happen? Yeah, I think, um, from what I'm hearing, uh, we have the first six holes pretty well cleared. Um, I think, I think within a month, most of the fairways are going to be clear. Um, now how long it takes to get the pads and all that other stuff down, I'm not sure, but we're not really anticipating being more than a couple month process wow. now, whether we open it up to the public that early or not, mm-hmm. we're kind of, we're kind of still brainstorming on that. Cause a, a lot of this is still really fluid mm-hmm. um, because for, for a multitude of factors, for starters, um, it kind of, a lot of like the, a lot of it ended up happening later in the off season for me. So, um, you know, we, we still have a lot of stuff that we're sort of, uh working through because there's a lot more logistical logistics to it than you would think you know like creating the lcs doing the zoning like doing all this different stuff that we've kind of had to work through so um you know for us right now it's kind of more just like we're taking it step by step and and just trying to get the thing built and then uh from there i don't know if we're going to do an opening tournament or just you know an opening weekend or whatever we do but uh it'll for sure be ready this year and and probably even by the summer but i don't know exactly when we're going to open it up so what is the intention of this course? I know it saw, I saw a destiny, hopefully to become a destination course. Um, I think you posted 60 acres. Um, is yep. that the size of the disc golf course or the property or both one and all? Like that's what the property size is. It's the size of the land, but it's, I mean, we're pretty much using every, every part of the land we're pretty much using okay. that can be used. So the course is the course is a championship level, um, you know, really high caliber course. We're gonna have to make sure we do a a more a more suitable short layout for uh, lower level players like myself as well. I was just about to say like people like me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the main layout is uh, no joke. Okay, okay. So that answered another question that I'm glad you just gave us is like the intent of this that you want it to be a high championship caliber course. Just for yes. reference for people listening. Maple Hill, we're going to talk about that yeah, later too. Yeah. They just got the number one ranked course in the world once again, three years in a row. Maple, and you've played there, Dylan. Um, yeah. That property for the disc golf course is in the range of 50 to 60 acres. The land that Maple Hill owns is about 100, but that that's, doesn't really matter for this scenario. But like, yeah, similar size property, 
they packed a lot in there. Um, and you're saying championship caliber is what the intent was. Um, plus, you'll have fun for other ratings and people who aren't the top. Um, is there a dream and a hope this early on to, yeah, let's dip our toes in one day, Silver Series, like that kind of a thing? Yeah, so we basically, I, I had originally made it, um, I said, I want to make something that could be on the Elite Series or could be like a high-level tournament course. Um, and there's a lot more, again, the logistics of it, there's a lot more that goes into it. So um, I'm kind of erring on the safe side to say it's just going to be a destination course. Yeah. But uh, in a perfect world, I would love to see it have a high-level tournament for sure. It's it's funny you say that on the safe side. I think it was pre-show again. We have some conversations here, and I was like, you think he has the intent of going like big championship, or you think he's just playing it safe and saying destination? That was perfect. So not that yeah. we read you, but I think that's it's important to do it the way you're doing it. Um, man, uh, you on the last time you were on our show, it was super chill, by the way. I think we saw your disc collection, mm -hmm. all these different things. Um, yeah. you had asked us a question. Like, would it be interesting if someone did like a high stakes or high payout tournament? Um, and we're all like, yeah. <laughs> so is this part of a bigger plan? Like you've got the course and the property, whether or not the pro tour brings you on as an elite event, do you have plans for your own? I, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm trying to keep things, uh, <laughs> as, as fluid as possible because, right. I mean, really, uh, I'm willing to invest in it and I'm willing to be as ambitious as um, I'm willing to be as ambitious as I can possibly be. You know, it's not going to be it's not going to be me holding it back. It's going to be whether or not, you know, it can support it or all the little factors involved work out. But uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I'm I'm going to take it as far as I can possibly take it. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've talked about this before. If the right people ever got involved, not necessarily for the health of the whole sport, but doing something like this where you're able to do that type of investment that you could run a, an event that was looked forward to each year just because you wanted to do it. Um, now, exactly. I, I would have a hard time doing that myself, but that's awesome to hear. Um, you've been into disc golf. If people are interested, go back and listen to our other interview. You've been into disc golf for a while. Um, you're out there pitching during the season for the Chicago White Sox. Disc golf takes a back seat, obviously. Um, did you right away run to a course? I think I saw you down with Paul McBeth in Florida, like after the season's over, you're like, I got to play some disc golf or what? Yeah, that's always, uh, I always get like four or five weeks in the off season where I get to play it like a couple days a week. Wow. Um, I think it really helps me kind of bridge the gap between the season and my off season. Cause I go from, I go from a hectic schedule to having literally nothing to do. So, uh, <laughs> I like going out and uh, getting out in nature and uh, getting kind of competitive and, and moving my body again and all that. So I played in, yeah, I played in the South Florida open with Paul and, and his brother. Then I played in the, in title town with my twin brother. So um, I, I try to play as much as I can in that five weeks. Title town. That sounds like Boston to me. I don't know why. I know, right? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Tuscaloosa. I'm just messing yeah. around. I feel like I come from title town up here. Um, so our stat Mando guy, Evan, he's off camera, but let's bring it. Let's put him up. I'm just going to put him on the spot. He's our baseball like fan. He's like our guy. Like he, like I like baseball. I grew up with the Red Sox and all that, but like Evan, like is a stat guy. Is there anything you prepared yeah. for tonight, Evan? Or are you just sitting here quiet? 
Um, I mean, I prepared some disc golf questions. Do it. Um, but I'll, I'll dip my toes into baseball just, <laughs> just for a second. Um, so I mean, you mentioned bridging your, uh, bridging to your off season uh, when you play disc golf. What does your off season look like as a baseball player? Uh, and then how does that kind of compare to disc golfers that you see talking to Paul or other notable players? Yeah, for me, I mean, I'll take probably four to five weeks off from um, weight training. And then I'm pretty much just immediately getting back and, and hitting the weights. And uh, I've got, I've got a pretty, pretty strict five day routine where I lift lower body two days, upper body two days, and then I do Pilates and yoga and kind of mix all that different stuff in. Um, I think that'll probably be the biggest difference. I don't, I don't think um, I haven't seen disc golf have as much weight training and um, specific training like that. I could be wrong. I don't, you know, I don't see a lot of what the guys are doing, but uh, yeah, for me, I, I pretty much have to get back uh, in the weight room pretty early on. We're just now the last couple of years, if that starting to see the top players choose to do that. And it's influencing down the chain, if you will, which is important. I think it is as long as people have the right people training them. I obviously don't. I hurt my uh, my shoulder like a month ago. I don't even know it was disc golf related. But then I went to throw an overhand shot yesterday, Nick. And it, I, I was, ah, oh, I actually yelled out loud. So, like, I've got a problem. I got to ice it or something. It's all messed up. Turn 38 and this is what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you, yeah, you're out there pitching. You're weight training. At first, I thought you said waitering, almost like a weight waiter. And I was like, what are you doing in the off season? <laughs> that was dude, weird. It's uh, killing time. Yeah, I was like, dude, is that what you do? <laughs> Making a little extra cash. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for the tips. Uh, Evan, what's up? Uh, yeah, I was, I want to talk about your 2022 season for a little bit. Cause it was obviously incredible. Uh, but we have the all-star event coming up in disc golf this weekend. I, it was pretty notable in the baseball world, uh, that you unfortunately didn't make the all-stars and a lot of people called it a snub. Uh, I was looking it up. A lot of your teammates were backing you up saying, Hey, this guy deserved to be in, uh, what were your feelings going through that when you knew you weren't going to make the all-stars? Was it like, do you think you should have made it? Was there any, uh, I guess, jealousy or did it motivate you? How did that all factor into the season? Yeah, I was, uh, I was very disappointed because statistically it was hard to argue that I didn't deserve to be on the team. I think I was, I think at that time I was first in the league in strikeouts and top couple in ERA and all these different stats. So, uh, I went and like bought a suit and did all this stuff to prepare for it. And then, um, yeah, I was pretty I was pretty down in the dumps and upset when I didn't end up making it. But uh, I, I would say it fueled me for a good five, six starts where I I think I was sitting 98 or 99 for like a month straight after that. So, yeah, I, I, I utilize it at least. How does. All right. So take someone who's not super involved in the MLB scene. How does the all star voting work in the sport of baseball? So it's a combination of fan vote. And then I think, I think pitchers are chosen by uh, the manager or by the, the league, the commissioner. So, but uh, one thing with baseball is every team has to have at least one representative. So you can have like, you had a team where six guys had really outrageous numbers, but um, you know, other team needed, needed or two, a couple other teams needed a guy, then you can have a situation where, you know, somebody that's leading the league in strikeouts and ERA cannot make it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. Um, it was not ideal. Yeah. No, not <laughs> well, ideal. So well, that, that was going to be the other thing that I was going to ask was more, you know, does it kind of get considered a popularity contest? And, you know, 
like we were talking pre-show of I'm sure there are so many professional athletes who if I walked by them I'd probably have no idea who they are unless somehow some way I'm either involved in watching that sport or the person is just cool on Twitter to follow and so then I'm curious you know what is like the popularity in the MLB obviously you were second in the Cy Young voting I think I could be mistaken on that but obviously had one of the best seasons out of everyone in the league so that's just where I'm curious like how how are you not considered like when Evan just said you didn't get the all-star I'm like wait how but that's just i think just having no knowledge yeah, on my the, end. Uh, <laughs> yeah teams like the yankees or the red sox or the the super big market teams uh can can sometimes have advantages in in situations like that okay gotcha we're i'm laughing off camera because i'm like we're making him rehash we're like how tell him he's like that's the same <laughs> question hopefully this fuels you up i guess <laughs> that's the same question i had nick how <laughs> you just keep asking yeah. me yeah well, um i'll, go I'll ahead, switch Evan. it up and and say some cool stats because well one i gotta give a shout out to uh baseball sports writer statistician uh, jay kuda kuda i don't know how to pronounce his last name but he's a chicago white Sox kind of a uh, writer statistician um not sure exactly his his relation to that but i, I follow him just because he puts out some good stats in general but this season he had a lot of fun making stats about dylan here uh so dylan you had that incredible run through that middle of the season where you're high in strikeouts but you also like didn't allow an earned run or very few for like a long stretch it was very very notable uh, i forget exactly all the stats with that but one was the, a list of all mlb pitchers who over a span of 14 starts had a sub 0 0.75 uh, ERA, which is earn run average, how many runs you let up, you know, uh, it, I'm not going to get into explaining it for non-baseball people, but there's only three players on this entire list. Um, there was Don Drysdill and Bob Gibson. I probably butchered that first one. Sorry, Don, uh, both from 1968. There's only one other instance in all of baseball history, and that is you, Dylan, in 2002 with a .66 ERA, so the second best ever in a 14-game st uh, uh, stretch. Uh, absolutely incredible. And then one other one I'll drop in, uh, it, notably with the mustache all season, uh, it's your stats with, uh, uh, I guess, clean shaving compared to mustache. I'm not sure exactly what the qualifiers were, uh, but throughout your whole entire career, uh, your ERA without a mustache is 4.39, very respectable for a starter, but with a mustache, it's 1.98, uh, which is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly good. So there's a lot more to it, but I think the science is there. Uh, yes. that you do pitch better with a mustache. What are we going to see for the 2023 season? Oh, Keeping the mustache, or are you going to turn those stats around for uh, the non-mustache? I think we're going to start with a mustache. Um, oh. I didn't have it for most of the offseason, actually, so uh, I got to recover and be normal for a little <laughs> bit. But uh, when, it, when it comes time to do a man's job, you got to kind of you got to gear up like a man would, so that's yes. why I got the mustache back. The chat, <laughs> the chat was going off about my beard tonight. What were they saying, intern Ben? They were saying Good beard. it's a movie prop beard, but some people were saying <laughs> it's an amazing beard. I, I asked right. the chat if it was top five all-time beard, and 80% said yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I've never – no, actually, I've done the mustache once. I'll find a picture while we're here live, but someone else can take a question. It's it's actually scary. Okay. I got a I question. I just want to say it's oh, go ahead. easy to have a good beard. It is hard to have a good mustache. It's, it's hard to have a good yeah. beard as good as Matt is. But having a good mustache <laughs> takes, like, that special genes right there. I, for sure can't do it i mean my beard isn't as good as let's the Matt go oh that's clean that is matt when he was one of Look our youth leaders 
<laughs> there it is. What's for the listen. For the listening audience, you'll have to just go find this in the yeah. timestamp. How long have we been streaming? So thir- I don't even know how long. Oh, well. 30, 30 for 35. There you go. Find it on YouTube. All right. Oh. Um, all right. Uh, really quick, Dylan, before we get into really anything else, is there anything with the course, the Cactus Rocks, that you still want to talk about? Just curiosity. Anything about it? Um, I'll just describe it, I guess. Yes. So um, there's... There's two different ponds that are utilized. The main pond, which is my favorite feature in the entire course, has cactus rock there. Um, Hole 18 incorporates cactus rock. Um, it's got it's got a ton of elevation change. It's got a lot of water. Um, one of my favorite hole, hole 15. There's a. It basically, we're going to build it to where the tee pad is like in the middle of the creek. And behind behind it is like this not quite waterfall, but like a ton of big rock and boulder um, type features with water water running through it. Um, it's just really it's really naturey, beautiful disc golf. Mm-hmm. So like for me, that's one of my favorite things. Is since I'm not a thousand rated player, I like going out and uh, and playing courses that are like really beautiful um, and you know could almost be hiking without the disc mm-hmm. golf. So. Um, this course has the, this course has the challenge of if you're a good player, like it's not going to be easy for you. And, at, and if you're, if you're a bad player, you just play the short layout and enjoy the scenes and enjoy the nature. So I, I we try to incorporate everything, um, that, that would make it something that, that people would want to come play. And then, uh, you know, we really want to hype it up and, and make it beautiful and make it a course that is, uh, is considered like a bucket list course that, that you got to play, mm-hmm. you know, like. The Maple Hills that we're hoping that this one, you know, gets gets a lot of recognition in that same direction. Oh, awesome. Now, it's funny because I do drilling and blasting as my everyday job when I'm up here in Massachusetts, and I have no idea what Cactus Rock is. So what is the significance of Cactus Rock? Is there anything special about there it? was a cactus on a rock? Tell us about that, right? Yeah, there's a there's a big I don't know how big the cactus is. I'm going to say maybe four feet four feet tall, pretty wide. Um, and it's on this big boulder. If you go, if you go to my Instagram, uh-huh. the first picture in my announcement post, you can see Paul standing near it and it's, uh, it, it dwarfs, it dwarfs Paul. So really, um, it's a, it's a big feature and it's just super unique. So we thought that the uniqueness of the feature, and then we thought the name cactus rock was really smooth too. So it was like, uh, it was the perfect storm. It is. Smooth. Oh, there's literally a cactus on that rock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's badass. I'm telling you this land, like I was shocked when I went out there because, um, you know, I, I've, I've played some different courses in, in Alabama and I go and I hang out in Tuscaloosa and I love Bowers park. There's some cool courses there, but, um, they're definitely like park courses. You know, they don't, they don't have, uh, that, that wilderness feel, but when you go on a cactus rock, you feel like you're kind of you feel like you're in the middle middle of of nature you know you've got like ravines it's just uh it's it's an extremely cool course and uh i i hope that we get people out there and i hope the the bus starts spreading and uh we we turn this thing into a destination course yeah awesome yeah um there's so many little intricate questions we could ask like did Paul get started designing the course like immediately after like the championship finale type thing, or has this been in the works for a while? Um, so basically I, 
I had been in contact with Paul and I was like, hey, we're we're sort of going through like the beginning phases of, you know, this land. I sent him pictures of the land and then I said, I, I've been out there a couple of times. And, um, you know, for me, I've obviously I've never designed a course, so I don't really know what what land you need or what usable land look like. Right. But every time I went out there, I was like, man, this land is beautiful. Like there's got to be there's got to be something that can be done to turn this into an incredible course. Yeah. So I told Paul, Hey, if we get this land and uh, you know, we make this happen, um, would you be willing to design it? And, and uh, he said, yes, he committed to it. Mm. And then I think I, I probably called him a month later. And I was like, Hey man, we're like, we're closing on this thing. You know, can we like really sit down a time? So uh, fortunately we were actually able to have the uh, disc golf pro tour, sent out a camera crew in and uh, they videoed the entire process as well. Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty cool for mm -hmm. sure. They've been doing pretty good with their documentary style stuff that they've been going on. Um, we yeah. did have, uh, we do have on screen always texting in the topics. We had someone text us. We thought they might want to do a phone call, but they didn't answer. Uh, intern Ben, can you give us the question that they had put up there? This yep. is for Dylan. So which is harder mentally, the stretch, the stress of pitching with an audience <laughs> or putting in disc golf without an audience. Wait, no. Oh, my goodness. That's what it ben. says. No, it does not say that. <laughs> I will read it. I will read it. <laughs> That's literally what it says. <laughs> Which is. No, go back to it. Which is harder mentally. The stress of pitching or putting in disc golf without an audience and why? No. And then he did the no. asterisk stress of pitching with an okay. audience. Well, then the, the question is horrible. But do you get. <laughs> Do you, do you get the do you get the feeling that they're asking here, um, Dylan? Do you get the like sense of what they're asking? Like, where do you feel more stressed? Uh, tournament putt. Let's go I with the tournament say, putt. I feel more angry with disc golf because <laughs> I always feel like I I don't ever feel like I'm getting any better at it. With baseball, <laughs> with baseball, I've been practicing it for so long, and I I. Uh, I don't really, uh, I don't get too stressed about it anymore, but with disc golf, it's like, I don't know, man, I can't, I can't figure out how to get to that next level and I don't ever get to practice. So, uh, I I'm going to go with disc golf, okay. probably, probably the putting. <laughs> nice. So, it's, well, I, I have something to bring up. Uh, yeah. From the chat. Thanks to Will. Um, so in baseball, you have a whole team that uh, a whole team behind you of, uh, of staff that really uh, helps you out with your pitch count, not only during the game, but also during uh, practices and all leading up to your start. It's kind of a whole, a whole process to figure out your schedule and how much your arm is utilized. Uh, disc golfers uh, right now in this age are, you know, the opposite of that just doing really whatever they they feel they're their own trainer they're their own uh medical expert of their own body um would you have any kind of um analysis or uh advice for disc golfers on what like a pitch count would look like whether backhand or forehand or just kind of talk through your your thoughts with that yeah it's, it's hard for me to say just because i don't know uh I don't really know like the the wear and tear that disc golf has in the body. I know for me, I've I've been playing and doing backhands only, and I've never really had a problem with it. Um, but I'm sure these guys probably play way more than I do. Um, yeah, there 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 should probably be some sort of protocol, especially like if they take time off, maybe building up into it nice and easy. But I mean, that's I don't know. That's that's kind of like what spring training here, you know, is for. It's like we go out and it's like a a we have all off season where we're kind of preparing and throwing. And then we have another preparatory step of spring training, which is like six weeks of kind of getting back in the swing of it. So 
Um, you know, I guess with disc golf, the more the more regimented and professional and structured they got it, the more, you know, they would probably see beneficial results from it. But like I said, it's hard for me to say without knowing really um, that much about, you know, really what's going on with disc golf. I, mm -hmm. I, I get to watch it and I get to talk to Paul and kind of pick his brain. But, um, you know, I don't know what it's like, what their travels like or, you know, what what exactly that day to day process is throughout their season. Yeah, so this is hilarious. We got the question so messed up. The caller said, "I am calling." So let's. If you hear us on the phone, <laughs> if you hear us on the phone right now, it may be the same answer, or maybe we got it totally wrong. But if you're hearing us on your phone call, go ahead and give us that question. You, for the most part, got it right in the sense of <laughs> the question I was asking. Ben, uh, with the asterisk at the end, was saying, "Yeah." The question was like, what is harder to like throw a good pitch with twenty? plus thousand people watching you or is it harder to putt when you're in your own head and he answered that perfectly which i thought was harder which is crazy to me because golf is played within six inches uh the six inches of your ears and this guy is in a major league baseball program saying that disc golf is harder and golf in general is just harder and uh the way he answered it was just beautiful the <laughs> big part of it that. is I, I have a lot more training with baseball. I think, I think if I had as much training in disc golf, maybe I would be feeling the same way about disc golf or like I knew what I was doing and I knew I just had to aim and, and, and release. But yeah, I mean, it is for me, if, if my life, if it came down to it, I had to throw, I either had to make a putt from 50 feet or throw a slider down the middle. I'm choosing baseball any day. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's kind of how I imagined it. Uh, the caller was saying he couldn't hear on our end, but if he once he goes back and re-listens to it, he'll actually hear Dylan's answer on that and talking about I was all the training that you have had the numerous years that you've been able to spend with it. And depending, you know, when you actually do get the time to practice putting, I think that'll become a little bit easier, but I can get the frustration aspect of it. Um, I think one of the biggest things, like I consider myself a pretty decent disc golfer, um, and lately I've gotten, especially during the off season, I've gotten super into darts. And if you ever play darts, you play three or one or five or one. One of the biggest things is a lot of people aim at the 20, you try to get the triple 20. And one of the biggest numbers that, or one of the most consistent numbers that a bad darts player will get is a 26. So you go 25 and then one, you get a 26. We call it a classic. And that's how I feel to where it's like super frustrating when I feel like I should be better at it, but I'm not anyways. Not equating exactly. it to being an MLB pitcher or anything <laughs> like that. But I think the idea of how much time you put into one thing versus another, uh, the mental nerves go away. I mean, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes it becomes second nature. There, mm -hmm. there really isn't any thinking. It's just mm. you, you've got your body has that muscle memory. And uh, now it's about how do you maximize it, prepare and then stay out of your own way when it comes time to actually execute and perform. Man, how long into your MLB career do you really think? Because I was going to ask this question in the sense of in disc golf, we've seen some rather large crowds. The European Open has always showcased a massive crowd going to that event. Worlds over the last few years, the YouTube views have gone, you know, in a very positive direction. Disc golf network subscribers. Um, but when it comes to you pitching at all these different stadiums throughout the year, you're pitching in front of tens of thousands of people. I don't know exact stadium sizes, but usually over 10,000 people per crowd right yeah how long 30, it depends but 20 30 40 you know maybe even 50,000 but probably 30 
30 to 40, 25 to 40, I would say. Okay, so 25 the White Sox to... averaged 24,704 uh, 24, on the season, well, uh, about middle of the pack, 19th out of 30 teams. So literally, and that's just the White Sox. Literally, the pitching as a way pitcher would change. Yeah, literally just 25,000 people for, you know, and that's your average. How long did it take into your MLB career to to finally feel, I don't want to say comfortable because you're there for a reason, you're a great pitcher. How long did it feel, whether you had nerves or not, how long did it take to feel comfortable on the pitching mound? Yeah, it took, I mean, I really didn't have a whole lot of success the first like year and a half. So 2019 and 2020 um, were not great years for me. So 2021 was the first year where I started having like little, little blips of success. And, and uh, I started feeling a little more confident. And then last year, um, especially when I got dialed in with my slider and really just hit a good rhythm. That's, that's kind of when I really feel like I belonged and that it, it didn't matter who I was facing. All I had to really do was like do what I do well, and I was probably going to be all right. So it took at least three, three seasons, I would say. And the, I've always heard it takes five seasons in, in major league baseball before you're um, like really, really set and, and comfortable. Mm. So, I'm we, we've all got these awesome questions going on right now. People are chatting in questions, but this one, when that caller came in again and he's like, which is tougher and all that. And I think you used the word like it was more frustrating. I don't know if you said it was harder, which I think that's a that is a key differentiation. But number two, have you like in disc golf? I've been playing almost 16 years. There have definitely been rounds, maybe not like really recently, but there was a round five or six years in where I, I, I had what I can't, I can only describe as amnesia. Like I'm out there literally 12 feet from the basket. And I'm like, I don't yep. like, I almost feel like my arms, not my body. Like I couldn't figure out how to make it happen. I'm like, I could yep. do just as good lefty or righty in this scenario right now. Um, I know we keep bringing it back to baseball, but like, has there ever been a time in your baseball career, even if you go back, like before MLB, where you did have that kind of like, dude, I forgot how to pitch tonight. Not as much with baseball. Um, I had that with, with disc golf kind of, we'll go back to baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, whatever, I'll no, no, literally let's take this wherever you want, man. So at the South Florida open with Paul this year, I, this is the second day. I think the course was called Markham. Maybe um, I had a very, I had a pretty average first day. I, I, I felt like I played below my ability, but like close. So the second day we're on the harder course and, uh, I'm minus two through the first eight holes. So I'm sitting there like, man, Paul's going to see this and he's going to see that I shot under like on a hard layout on a hard course. And he's going to think I'm cool and all that. <laughs> and then, uh, by hole 18, I was like plus 17 or plus 18. It was like the most. It was like the most I wanted to quit by the time we got to the like last six holes. I wasn't having a shred of fun. I was like having a horrible attitude. Like, hey, you gotta relax. It's so hard. Like with disc golf, if I'm not playing well, it, it's it is hard for me to enjoy it. Cause I feel like I honestly feel like a loser when I'm not playing well. I'm like, come on, this is you're twice the size of these guys and they're throwing it twice as far as you. You know, it's uh, the, the thing with disc golf too is like there's a lot of things that when it comes to decision making that yeah. really make a difference in your game. And like, I've seen that, I've really learned that by playing with Paul and like talking to him and kind of picking his brain. Cause there'll be a situation where I want to sit and dro throw a, a driver. And yep. he's just like, why would you throw a driver here when you can throw a putter straight and then throw another shot and put yourself in position? And you're like, 
uh, for me, I just feel like I need to throw as far as I can, but it, actually there is like a, uh, there is like an analytical side to mm-hmm. it. And I think, I think that's the one thing I've really been impressed with, um, with like watching and seeing Paul is every single, everything he does is extremely calculated. And even with the disc golf course, it's like he, it's almost like he's four steps ahead. Yes. Uh, you know, before you're even getting there. And then like, I'll give another example is at that South Florida open. Like when I play disc golf, I can barely keep track of my own score, what discs I've thrown. I'm like off in the woods, these different directions. He's sitting there and like after one of the holes, they're all tallying up the score. And then this one guy says a score and Paul looks at me and goes, no, you got a whatever here, like a, a, a five. And I'm like, man, this guy was keeping track of all these other guys' scores <laughs> and what he's doing. It was like, like just completely different brain than what I have. He's got such an organized, like analytical mind. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. But to to get back with baseball, uh, I've never really, I've only experienced that with uh, disc golf. Not much, not much of baseball. I guess that's Thank what it you. takes to make yeah. it to the major leagues. You I can't mean, have that. <laughs> you also you got to think with Paul being able to kind of be super analytical in the sense of disc golf. That's obviously how you are. In the MLB, though, I mean, every single batter that yes. comes up to the plate, you and the catcher are like-minded on how you're going to pitch to this batter, I would assume. And so you're trying to be four steps ahead of that player, I would assume. Um, and so that's where, you know, even when Evan is talking about all the different stats that go on, that's where it just mind blows me with all the different things that come about. And then, you know, how many pitches do you think you can comfortably throw to where this is what you might use against the batter? Four or five of them. Do you what think? do you mean? Like, eight, oh, how, how many pitches do I throw? Yeah. I have four different pitches. So four but, different pitches. Okay. Yeah, I got three. I got three that are my main ones. And right now, I'm working on a changeup, but uh, that's my least field pitch. That's that's the one I don't utilize as much right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you're talking just about any sports player, just the over analytical side of their mindset. I think it's just really cool. Um, you can obviously do so many more things in the sport of baseball when it comes to thinking about it than any of us could ever dream about um, when it comes to baseball. Um, to, well, when you're, when you're really good, you don't really have to think you just go out and you do, do you, yeah. you do the thinking beforehand. Do you kind of feel like that with certain batters that you've pitched against? Do you just know that you're locked in right now and you just, uh, I mean, tell us kind of the mindset of when, you know, one of the best, like if an Aaron judge is stepping up to the plate, what are you thinking about in that moment? <laughs> He's nothing. <laughs> yeah. He might not be thinking. Yeah. Well, it depends. Like it depends what the situation is. So okay. like before the game, we'll kind of go through a scouting report and we'll know like, Hey, this batter is aggressive. This batter doesn't swing at first pitches. Well, you know, this guy hasn't swung at a first pitch curveball in 85 at bat. So we'll kind of like start kind of game planning like that. Um, and then in the game, it really is just, a lot of it is getting strike one and strike two, however you have to do it, you know, but a lot of it's situations. So like mm. if I'll give you an example, if there's a runner on maybe second or third and there's two outs and you got Aaron judge up to the plate and he's hitting 450 with 65 home runs. And then you got somebody behind him that's hitting like 220 with eight home runs. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to be a little more careful with Aaron judge and get to the next guy. So it's a, it's kind of little things like that where you kind of pick and choose. And we have so much information now that like we'll know if a guy is better on sliders or curveballs, if he's how he's doing against heaters, how he's doing the last eight games, um, all kinds of stuff. But mostly most of the thinking and preparation is done before the game. And when you get on the mound, it's it's just compete mode and and uh, basically just just battle mode. You know, mm-hmm. there's not really 
thinking, in my opinion, usually will get in the way more than it'll help. And what you're saying is interesting because I feel like it's probably sports at the large scale, like all sports, like seems like disc golf, like I don't even know. I'm thinking of like super reactionary sports like tennis and all that. I mean, I don't think they're thinking about do I go left or right here? It's probably just they've thought it all out. Um, so yeah. it seems very uh, something that we need to do better before a tournament, Nick. <laughs> What's up, yeah. Evan? It, and what I wanted to get into is just baseball is so far ahead in the analytics. And one, it has way more data points, too. I mean, at the major league level, you have 30 teams, which each have, you know, 25, 26 players and, and you you have so many app ads. There's so much data. And like Dylan's saying, when they go to face a new team, uh, the coaching staff will have the analytics down for every single player. Like there, he mentioned like how they do against a fastball or curveball, like where in the zone they hit best. You can have, you know, their, their batting average in every single like quadrant of the strike zone. And disc golf yeah. isn't even close to that because we walk up to a hole and the best data we might have is like, Hey, the average score in this hole is a 3.2 and uh, you get circle one in regulation, you know, 30% of the time, the field being, uh, that doesn't really tell you a bunch, just like Dylan's story with Paul saying, Hey, throw a putter here instead, because mm -hmm. then you can uh, plan a better approach. That data is nowhere in disc golf. Uh, even a par three where it's like, okay, one shot to get to the green, which side of the greens better? Is it the left? Is it the right? Is it the short? Is it the deep? Uh, like depending on how the wind's coming, like what's your putting percentage in a tailwind compared to a headwind uh, on an elevated basket. So do you want to land on the high side or low side? There's all these things that baseball has, of course, for their version of the sport that uh, the teams have in, in game plan for And disc golf is all based on your feel. Like Paul probably has the same data in his head, uh, but yeah. you're having a new player come up and they got to learn it all on their own. They don't have any of this, uh, these tools made for them. Mm. Yeah. I was pretty, like I said, when uh seeing paul go about around i was uh i was really really impressed with just the analytical nature of like everything that he's doing with it like it, it started clicking to me like oh okay this is why this guy has to sustain success so i'm sure there's a lot of disc golfers that have like that top tier talent you know but uh you know paul's obviously got he's got the analytical factor then he's got that clutch gene too which um you can't teach either so um you know i don't know if if that's mindset or just uh you know it's, something that's like an instinct of quality but it definitely mm -hmm. it definitely makes a difference when you're in those in those uh how do i how do i phrase it <clears throat> those moments i'll keep it yeah those uh those big moments all right i got one last little little question on this and then we'll kind of i i want to move a little bit of topic more so to baseball and disc golf together but you know how in basketball yeah. you shoot a shot, you know it's going in. In disc golf, you throw your putt, and you kind of know it's going in. When someone hits one of your pitches, do you know? Do you have a pretty good idea if it's <laughs> going to be a home run or not? Yeah, most yeah. of the time. Most uh, of the time, it is. No. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, this season there was maybe a handful of times where a guy hit it, and I was like, oh no, and then it would be at the warning track. But okay, uh, you know, for the most part, if they square you up, there's. Uh, then it's just awkward. You're standing out there like it's kind of embarrassing, really, because <laughs> you're standing out there and you did your best. You did your best to get it by him. And uh, he put it 500 feet over the fence yeah. and he's running the bases on you. And then everyone's going crazy and their team screaming. It's like, I hate it, man. I don't it's know, embarrassing. Does it, does it just make like an extra pop off the bat? So I when I played baseball, I'm the worst hitter, like so bad. Never had a home run in my life like that bad of a hitter. 
So I don't know what that feeling is like, but if someone just clobbers one, is it just like it makes an extra, not a ping because it's not a metal bat, but you almost like tell. an extra pop? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll it make a sound. It'll make a hard sound, and then you can just tell it's smoked, you know? <laughs> like, it comes off the bat hard and high, and you're like, that ain't got no shot of staying in the ballpark. Yeah. It, there's not even a need to turn, really. Then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even know. If, I'm trying to think if I even watch most of them. Oh, well, I, I that, think, that was uh, going to be a follow-up question. Was do you just kind of stand and like look to the first baseman and be like, oh, well, crap, that happened again or something like that, or <laughs> just put the head down, kind of like you know, adjust. Yeah, the I go or back at the Ross and I just yeah. look at the ump and like, all right, give me the ball. Yeah, I'm I'm, over I'm, I'm bothered. I'm annoyed. Um, uh, and on the, the Nick and Matt show, first of all. I appreciate you coming on. And then the fact that you're a major league baseball pitcher, and I've never heard that perspective from a major league baseball pitcher. I guess I could have imagined what it was like after someone hits a home run, but you were like, just telling us, you're like, it's kind of embarrassing. You just stand there. Like, I, I don't know how other people feel about it. I, yeah. I don't know how you wouldn't feel a little yeah. bit embarrassed. It's the, it's the most unideal thing that can happen to you. Yeah. It's like hitting a first I, tree I, in a tournament. Yeah. You're just like, oh, damn it. That just happened at worlds. Yeah. Okay. I I got one quick question uh, based on home runs. Okay. What are your thoughts on bat flips? Uh -oh. Some some guy maybe you don't like him. He hits one of those no doubters, and he just stands there and watches it and does does something with his bat. What's what's your thought process? Are you retaliating? Uh, I guess you probably can't say that, but uh, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I guess how egregious it would be. How egregious is the bat flip? I mean, if he got you, I'm kind of in the mindset that if they get you. Um, they can, you know, they can celebrate. I definitely don't love it. And, um, mm. I, I've definitely had some flips on me before. Um, but, uh, to me, the best thing to do is just get him out next time, strike him there out. So go. if a guy does that to me, then if a guy does that to me, they're probably going to get 99 plus one hour fastballs for the rest of my career against them. As long as I can do it. <laughs> there Let's you go. go. What? Hey, that Jose Batista one in the ALDS was that yeah. 2016 or something like that. As a fan, th those are classic, and I, I do want to see more of those. But uh, then you have the ones like whatever happened in the Dominican uh, Winter League or something. Yeah, I those those are a little extreme. Yeah. it's I guess it's entertaining, and maybe it's good for the game in that sense. But uh, there's still, I feel like, should be a level of respect. Like I'm, I'm not doing anything really outrageous out there when I'm striking guys out. But that's what I was just uh, about to maybe, ask. What's, hey, what's the pitcher do when he does a strikeout? I know the catcher sometimes whips it over to third, and then it goes around the diamond or whatever. But uh, yeah, do you get to do anything? I know, <laughs> like you have a big leg flare sometimes. Like your leg kind of flares up, and I'm like, yeah, that's just super athletic. I go and try to do that. I'm like, oh, I just pulled a hamstring. <laughs> I don't know. No, I just. Uh, if, if you're really in a good rhythm, sometimes you can strut around the mound a little bit. But I, I kind of try to keep it just like, hey, I'm here to do work. Like, I, I try to keep it business like, you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah, struck you out. Next guy, get in the box. Let's go. Nice. Let's see. You know, let's keep it All going. Right. Ben, ben, we, we have another. Yeah, we got to let intern Ben in here. Evan, we got to let intern Ben in. He's been okay, pulling my leg underneath our, the table. Fine. He's like, dude, I got a question. Pulling it for the last yeah. 10 minutes. <sighs> intern Ben here okay. with Nick and Matt Show Media. How you doing, Dylan? Um. <laughs> So my question, you know, I'm infamous for having the putting yips. Was there was there ever a time this season where you had the yips and kind of like were nervous and any way you overcome that or like You're talking disc golf yips? No. Baseball. Yeah, disc golf, baseball? Baseball yips. Um, was there at any point or are you just like smooth, confident 24/7? Like you got the juice. He no, does. there's uh I mean, there's sort of like anxiousness and nervousness before every single game like that's inevitable 
Um, I'm just at a point now where like I'm used to how it feels and I'm used to everything around it. So it doesn't like really throw a wrench in what I'm doing. That's awesome. Um, so like, I mean, I, I remember like the first time I pitched at Yankee stadium, I was definitely more amped and nervous. Um, just cause that felt like that felt like the biggest stage ever, you know, um, this year against San Diego, last start of the year, um, last season, it was a full house and that, that crowd was really wild. So I remember having almost like an, a, a mild out-of-body experience to start the game. Mm -hmm. But I just find that as long as you show up and, and uh, just give it, you know, give it your all, it usually ends up being decent. And then, um, like I said, you, you kind of get used to it. So there's anxiousness in every, in every game because they're all, you know, they're all televised. Your your work is out there. If you do something, you know everyone's going to know about it. So, um, and you know, there's there's some of the guys you face are like seven feet tall and they're 250 pounds of muscle, and you're like, man, this is uh, these guys are massive. You know, if they get a hold of this thing, it's not going to be good. So, yeah, there's there's stuff like that. But um, and I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty big into like visualizing. I try to do that every mm. single day. So I try to visualize success and then not overthink anything else to just try to keep myself positive. I'm like managing my emotions off camera because Evan texted in my group chat and he said, <laughs> Ben, you can't say that word to baseball players. You know what I mean? And you know what's going to happen. He's going to get some yips this season and he's going to think back to the Stop. Nick no, Stop. No, he's Stop talking it. about no, no. no, he's talking about juice, like steroids. Right, okay, That's what okay. he's saying. Either way. I meant the juice as in like Tupac Shakur. Type. So that is I, I will admit it's almost like it's almost like Voldemort. You're it is you're not supposed to say his name. That is true. Yep. Yes. yes. Yep. That, I, I was going for yep. what Matt was saying. Oh good. I got so, it right. Oh, okay. All right. So I, I hear yeah. talking about that. I, I have kind of like a, a quick story <laughs> that I'm I'm going to try to keep as short as possible. We we always joke about the bad luck that I have when I used to watch Paul play tournaments. Okay. I, it was years and years before I actually saw Paul win a tournament last year when we were all at Ledgestone, Dylan was able to invite us to go to the Chicago white Sox game. The first one that we went to, he wasn't pitching, but then the second one, it was the Dylan Cease versus Justin Verlander matchup. The game that mm -hmm. I went to and watched was the game that Dylan's awesome MLB streak came to an end. So I felt wicked bad. And I was like, I'm the reason for this. Like it's once again, I'm just the bad luck for my friends who are doing incredible things in their <sighs> sports. And I caused that too. And I actually just thought about that. And I was like, Oh damn, I, I actually was there for that. All right. Major league sports. You have the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, you have PGA, you got all these. Mm -hmm. I found myself yep. thinking, and I'd love to in, in, um, involve you in this conversation, Dylan, because you are at that level. It is not very often that we hear a player at any level in a major league sport say that I am the number one player in the world. Almost at anything. I brought this conversation up um, during a disc golf tournament match or New England team challenge that we do, like a tournament. And I asked some of my card mates, I said, just work this segment out with me in my head before I talk about it on air. And they said, well, you know, you kind of hear that in fighting. And I think in fighting, you hear that because it's a little bit inherent. Like you have to believe you are when you're going up against somebody. I am the best. Like you got to bring that. Um, and it's kind of ironic because LeBron just recently said, I feel like I'm the best basketball player that ever played the game. However, I think that's still different than what I'm saying. And the reason I'm bringing this up, if you listen to Ricky Wysocki's recent um, 
Cincinnati Reds vlog that GK Pro put on for him. Mm -hmm. um, in the news interview, he introduced himself and said, and I'm the, let me see, I, I want to quote it here. I'm the number one player in the world right now. Like, that's what he said. And it struck me as a little bit funny. And I'm like, I'm trying to think if I've ever heard anybody else say that. Like, I am the number one player, Tiger Woods or anybody. I don't hear that, right, ever in interviews. Like, he may believe it. He may think it. People might talk about it. But I've never heard a player do that. And then he announced um, a recent sponsorship, um, which, by the way, very cool. Uh, Schaefer Sports Agents lined that up with him, that deal for the tick. Uh, what is it called? It was tick the, offer. Yeah, it was the... It's the, it's the insect, it's the yeah. D, it's, it's a yeah. great partnership, great, awesome for the sport, for the world, um, and we tried to get him on for that, actually, I tried lining up Ricky, it didn't work out, but, um, and then in that advertisement, he says, I'm the current number one disc golf player in the world. That was two times I had heard it. The one was back near LWS Open. So that was in what, like July, August, sometime in there. So yeah, he was think. thinking he was at that point. Yeah. Then you have this recent advertisement announcement he was. I guess I'm just setting this all up. We can talk about Rick a little bit, but just generally the concept in sports. Do you hear that ever in Major League Baseball? Like a player that, like, have you heard that where they're like, I am the best player? Mm. Or is it unique to like one versus one type sports? Like maybe disc golf's in there a little bit. I think... Yeah, I guess it's probably a little more unique to the one-on-one uh, -on -one sports. Um, I guess, yeah, because with, with team sports, it's a little bit more of, you know, I mean. Uh, I'm the best I think with baseball, I'm the best baseball pitcher, pitcher in the world. Like, would that ever come out of your mouth if you were? Like, is that you or no? I'd have to prove it for a long time. <laughs> I, I wouldn't just say it. Like, I, I'd really have to prove it. Um, I mean, I always feel like I can get whoever I'm facing out, but. Uh, to, to say you're number one, uh, I don't know. I mean, what? you just have to back it up now, you know? Mm -hmm. Like if 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 you say it and you back it up, you look like a stud. And if you don't back it up, it, it obviously is um, not as awesome. <laughs> not as awesome. So um, what criteria? Yeah, what criteria is being used there? Because it, he didn't say, I feel like it. He said, I am. Um, do they have does is there anything statistically to so, back that up so we have i mean we rankings? have the pro tour rankings we have the <laughs> you know pdga world rankings out there and one of the things uh actually ricky tweeted on it i think disc golf pro tour kind of shared it was um one of the guys in golf is a scotty scheffler it could be wrong but he had said he was like i i love being number one instead of number two and ricky was like yo same dude like kind of just saying like yeah i love being like the number one that's guy fair. listed as the number that's one that's totally in the fair. pro tour standings yes. and everything like that. I think that's the difference of, you know, like, yeah, I love being rated number one versus, you know, I am, I am the number one player. I, I think it's, it's LeBron has a different argument, but he says, I feel talking, like I'm the best player yeah, to have ever played. Cause they're that's talking different. about the goat argument. That's like, different. I, exactly. Like, I don't think, I don't think Ricky's putting himself in the goat conversation right now. No, now he could be the number one player over the last two years, but he's not putting himself in the goat conversation. So I think that in and of itself is two different conversations. Like it is for me, there's Absolutely. a lot of sports where I have no idea. Like who is the goat of that sport? Like in baseball, who do you consider the goat? But because but, baseball has, well, I what? Think it, it would be, if you actually believe that, I think it would definitely be beneficial. You know, like mm -hmm. if, if, if that's your mindset and that's really your feeling, mm -hmm. um, 
I, it would be an advantage for sure. Yes, but yeah, and I, I apologize. I'm, I'm getting excited, but it, he's he's not saying like, hey, I believe I am. He's saying I am, and I'm just curious, and Evan might know. What do you think he's basing that off of, Evan? Like, it, where I, is it coming I that a, I am? I think it's a, a mixed sources. And so he was the number one in points last year, and he he he's backed up but his by LWS many times. Uh because that was at the that was at the lws open tournament where he said okay i see what you're saying but uh yeah i think by i don't know where he was at udis at the time i mean udis is a little bit more fluctuating but i like i'll at least say our own system the statmando official rankings we just put out something that uh 78 out of the past 80 weeks ricky has been number one so i think he's going off of a a ranking system Mm -hmm. or rating system who knows the pdga player rating they're also ranking system i think he's going off purely off of those uh and I think he is number one. The last two seasons, I think he has been pretty clear, and I think he's using that as fuel. Uh, and I think kind of where we're going is it's a little bit more of this one versus many sport, a non-team sport, yeah. where you really have to have that mentality. And I think Ricky's fully bought in and well-deserved, too. I mean, I Nick made a great point of the GOAT status, and that's a bigger question. Mm, but as far as different. who's the number one in the world right now, to sell sponsorships, which he's trying to do with this insect repellent or uh, exactly what it is, he goes to them and says, hey, I'm the number one disc golfer in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, that's huge for them, and that's how they sell their product. If he goes in and being like, hey, most people have me as number one, uh, but like GOAT status-wise, I'm not. You know, I'm like yeah. number two of this generation, maybe like three or four of all time. Like, that's not selling anything. So he's got to go in with that mindset. And I see nothing wrong with it personally. It's not like him every time he meets someone new is like, hey, I'm I'm the number one disc golfer in the world. He's using it as a marketing technique. (laughs) I don't know if he is or he isn't, but it came out two times within the same week. And I was like, just taken back because why do we argue then who the number one player in the world is on our show? If it's just cut and dry. Now, I think to your point, he's doing that. Yes, it's a marketing thing. Mm -hmm. I also think there's something about this, and I just want to feed this out here. I get excited about this. This is what a talk show is, get people riled up. But I think still at a local cable access channel asking you, like, hey, tell us about disc golf. They think it's just some, like, backyard game. But then he goes, I'm the best player in the world. That changes the tone of that conversation for them. And I think that's that's good. I, they go, what? There's a world best disc golfer? Like, mm-hmm. So I think there are different elements to this. I'm not trying to call Ricky bad. Mm-hmm. But just imagine, for the sake of conversation, because they're going up in the All-Star event this weekend. Yeah, Ricky and Paul. They mm-hmm. are. And I loved it. I watched the draft. The draft was really cool if you haven't seen it. It was Ricky and Paul being casual on Disc Golf Network live production. It was pretty fun. Um, but my point is, have we ever heard Paul say, I haven't out loud on video coverage. I am the best player in the world ever. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing it. Someone someone has a clip of it. it. Post a clip of it. (laughs) I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I'm just saying. Paul's a goat. I'll say say for him. Oh, he he took it out of his Twitter bio for a long time on his Twitter bio. He had number one player in the world, number one ranked player, whatever it was. Really? Was it ranked? Or number one highest rated? I I don't know what it was, but it was just number one, number Mm -hmm. one something player in the world. He had that on his Twitter bio. And I agree. I haven't heard him actually say it out loud uh, often or at all. But he did have that there for a long time, especially when ranking systems were having Waisaki take that place. So like that was kind of odd, but he could use different things, too. Like right now. Well, uh, not player rating because um, uh, what is it? Manabu took it Manibu, over. But yeah. He had that. Yeah, he had that <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. Uh, and, you know, he is he's one world. So maybe that's like there's so much different context that yeah. you can use. 
Uh, but well, I get your point. So Evan, you yeah, give when us your give us your thoughts Paul, on it. Yeah, when I try to describe Paul to like my teammates or whatever, like, or if, you know, like describing the course, I'll be like, I have like the Tiger Woods of disc golf that's designed the course. Mm -hmm. Is that do you feel like that's fair to put with Paul just because of yes. his World Championships? Yes. Technically, probably, I think Tiger was. Well, I don't know what his streak of dominance was, but um, I guess just because of Worlds and and um, that sheer run of dominance, I feel like that kind of elevates him because um, it, it, Worlds is, you guys would agree, Worlds is the, um, you know, the, it's the, the pinnacle event. We, we, it's the premier event of the year that kind of determines a lot of your disc golf career in general. I mean, for players to have world championships and now we're seeing USDGC and other majors kind of slowly start filling those categories. But yes, I would say, I think most people are in agreement that worlds and it's funny because Ricky's not in agreement with this, but um, <laughs> worlds is kind of the premier event that we put behind someone's name. Yeah. It, and Here's also this, what we, need to do. What? we got to get them both out to cactus rock. Mm -hmm. and we'll <laughs> yes. say, hey, yes. Speaking of, you've got, yeah, go You've got two rounds. Winner leaves world number one. There we go. Um, speaking <laughs> of Cactus go. Rocks, one of the guys in our chat was wondering, and this you might not know yet, but um, what kind of baskets are you using? And what kind of tee pads do you plan on putting down? Yeah, so tee pad wise, I think we're going to do turf. I'd ask Paul what, you know, what the top level players like. And, uh, and basically it sounds like turf is is uh if you do it do it well it, it tends to be turf so i think we're gonna go turf um i guess we could go concrete if we do it properly but it just mm -hmm. sounds like turf is overall the best option mm -hmm. and then um discraft is is sponsoring the basket so uh, yeah Perfect. so what are is there are those called disc catchers the or is it just chainstar <laughs> chainstar pros chainstar pros yeah we're yep. gonna, we're i would assume, I would assume that's what you're putting on good baskets yeah. good yeah. baskets incredible sure. baskets um so do you have any time to do a quick trivia game with us? Evan's got something lined up. We're just going to ask a few yep. questions. All right, Evan, yep. let's get. So for those who are interested, we haven't even lined up a new intro for this, but Evan brought a new segment for us. It's a little different than stat or fiction. It's just more trivia based. We had such a good time on the charity trivia show. So Evan, what's the name of this? And then take it away. All right. We are calling this know your ABCs. Uh going to be a multiple choice trivia question and there's three options a b or c a little similar to stat or fiction a little a little bit different so we'll have fun with it learn your abcs <laughs> oh yeah there we go ben. <laughs> so uh know your abcs first ever question let's get into it uh baseball has the world series funny enough i wrote this ahead of time disc golf has pdga pro worlds uh i am asking when was the last year that the world series was held in the same state as the pdga pro what? worlds host location now know that this question means uh where was the world series held it's held by both teams you know they have a series that they play so it's held in two different states generally unless the so that counts as long as it was in one of them yeah yes as long as one of the teams uh is from the same uh state as pdga worlds that year so know your abcs you get three options i'm ABC, guessing so. without can i pre-guess without abc up there you for can, bonus think, it in your head. You can well. think it in your head oh i'm gonna write I, it down then yeah write it down uh, well, i got a extra. question all right yeah go ahead and uh, where was Worlds in 2015? Oh, that's a good question. What is that Pennsylvania? Pitts yeah, Pittsburgh. Is that just you guessing already? 
Well, <laughs> oh, you're just first. trying to have help for the answer. <laughs> well, I knew I knew there was worlds uh, in import in Kansas, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were throwing a. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were throwing a curveball because in 2020 the World Series was held in. Uh, that's funny. Actually, Did you too. just tell Dylan yeah. you thought he was throwing you a curveball? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, unintentionally. Uh, in 2020, the World Series was held in Texas. Uh, it was a COVID year, so it's held in a neutral location. Um, but there was no Worlds that year either. So I didn't know if there's another situation like that. I didn't think so. Uh, but let's get into the options. A is 2011. B is 2005. And C is 1999. What was the most recent year that we have seen uh, the World Series held in the same state as PDGA Pro Worlds that same year? I'm going to go so A, B, or C. A, 2011, B, 2005, C, 1999. I'm going with 1999. Me too, C. That's my guess. And I'm going to bonus points. I'm not sure that I'm right. I'm going to A, 2011. New, well, New York. 2005. 2005 means it would have had to have been in Houston or Chicago. The the states uh, that is so Illinois or Texas. Yeah, Illinois or Texas. Sorry. Uh, 99 would have been the Yankees. So New York. I and... was okay, so I could be right. He's he's helping solidify them. New York was it? Maybe Florida? The Marlins? Does that sound right? I don't know. I'll that say it much. after you give your answer. And then 2011. <laughs> 2011, I feel like, was maybe like the St. Louis Cardinals and maybe St. Louis and... Team that almost won it. It was that year, right? (laughs) I'll go... uh, Man, I don't know where the Royals are. I'll go 2011. Oh, I feel a little bit better about my answer now. (laughs) I said 99. So so Nick and Dylan... Said A, which was 2011. Uh, Matt and Ben go C, which is 1999. The correct answer is C, 1999. Wait. Dylan, you had the team. Matt, <clears throat> was it at? Five. What is it? At, was it at the course Chilai in New York? Uh oh, I got to get my. Anyways, right. I'm just trying for series. bonus points. Uh, if I got that it was right, in Rochester, New yes. York. Yeah, that's where Chile is. Been Chilai don't, Parma. don't have the courses. It's just off from job, Wikipedia. I can't believe that. that. I'll give you the bonus. Let's point. go back so, to st- the charity trivia now. That was fire right there. I'm proud yeah, of right? the MLB so, teams now. That's what I'm curious. It would have been the Yankees. The New York Yankees yeah. swept. The Dylan, I don't know if you had a hometown team, but the Atlanta Braves Ooh. Ooh. Uh, in 1999 it was a sweep. Uh, it was, yeah, one of the Yankees last world series wins they've only won two since then so not very good, good. wow um, one in like we hate them though but yeah 2011 was the cardinals versus the rangers that was notable where the rangers were up i think three two down to their final out or final inning david ended freeze. up not getting it done david freeze uh clutched up and the cardinals ended up winning it no, but in 2011 it was held in yeah. santa cruz california oh five i threw that in there see, for fun because that was the white Sox. i uh, said 2011 against. because i was really hoping it was a california team because i was like i feel like cali's good and i don't know that's just it, that was my and that the fun guess. thing was the very next year and the year before was the Giants. It was when they kind of had the the even year BS. Gotcha. Uh, and so <laughs> they were going in a lot. Um, Evan, that was yeah, a softball. Was a... Give us a so, give us something fast. All right, all right, let's move <laughs> on. Yeah, give me give me a World War II question, please. <laughs> <laughs> Some history, maybe. <laughs> All right, not quite. Uh, Eagle Man just won the challenge at Goat Hill in Oceanside, California. How many California PDGA wins does Eagle have uh, that has all tiers? And we'll say all divisions, too, for the fun of it. <laughs> and we'll just say um, all time. 
<laughs> A, 8, B, 5, or C, 2. How many wins in California does Eagle McMahon have? A, 5, sorry, A, 8, excuse me, B, 5, C, 2. Dang. Is, is, is Kearns going CC? Is he going no. two seasons? He row? could though. Is he doing it? Because I, I feel like he's doing I it. I can't decipher. I know Satter Fiction. Right I don't know this one. Uh, I'm gonna go what? see. What elite series does Eagle have in California? Any that we know? He's of? saying all divisions. Yeah, I know, but yeah, I'm just thinking doing a lot of table talk during this. Hey, right. it's, half it's not the a team I, game. I said C. I, I'll say A. <sighs> he said it's been a long time since his last A tier, but that has nothing to do with it. That was he posted that earlier. Um. Eagle, if you're in the chat, put it up quick so I can change my answer. That being said, what's five? What what did you say? Five was an option. Uh, five, A eight, B five, right. C two. I'm just going with B five. I'm gonna give him two. I was that was, was teetering there. See, I followed Dylan with the MLB. He's following me with the disc golf. <laughs> We're probably both gonna be wrong again, but that's all right. The correct answer is. C two. He went. Uh, let's go. Yeah. yeah see, I went C C apparently. Uh, apparently, everyone's tied. Back to back California wins for Eagle Man, going back to two thousand one, uh, two thousand twenty one. Excuse me. Uh, OTB Open. Uh, he has uh, six podiums and ten top ten, so he plays well there. Just only two wins. Uh, let's get into the final. Uh, know your ABCs. I don't even know the score. I think right we're, now, all we're all tied. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got one. Yeah, we all. Have one. <laughs> all right. Death. I actually didn't even do a bonus question too, so right. we'll see how this goes, and I'll wing. Apparently, it don't do anything World War Two though, because Dylan wants that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the World yeah, War Two. Right? All right, get there. If you watched Super Bowl last night, uh, spoilers. If not, just kidding. <laughs> We're going into it. Philadelphia <laughs> becomes the first city to lose three Big Five championships in the span of a hundred days. Uh, that is the Philadelphia Phillies lost to the Houston Astros in the World Series most recently. The Philadelphia Union in soccer MLS lost to Los Angeles FC uh, on the same day, actually, which is kind of funny. Uh, two for on lost championships, mm. and then last night the Eagles lost to the Chiefs. I'm making a disc golf version that's coming in second place in majors, uh, pro majors, MPO, FPO without a win at a major that year. What year was the last time a disc golfer came in second in three or more majors in one calendar year without winning a major that year. So this one's tricky. That's why there's multiple choice. That is tricky. A 2018 B 2015 or C 2013. I'm going so with the 2015. Last... I'm going A. Yeah, because that was Paul's like big, big year, right? So there was somebody yeah. coming in second at all of those. <laughs> yeah. I'm going A. Are so you, we got... You're doing 2015, go Dylan? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go 2015. Me too. And then Ben's at A, 2018. Nick, what do you got? I'm going to go I'm C. for the most recent. I'm going C. for the strikeout, CCC. What is C, Oh, though? he went to 2013. That. We all pick something different besides me and Dylan. Okay. I feel like it's B, right. but that's tying you guys, and that's boring. Steve Falco. So, Steve Falco rule. <laughs> he doesn't comment anymore. No, he's Steve, gone. please comment. All right. We got the answer being B, oh, 2015. Let's go. I'm okay tying right. with Dylan. Can we just leave it at that? Sure. We'll leave it as a uh, tie. Yes. I'll I've get tied into the answer. A major though. league baseball pitcher. Uh, this is actually it was unplanned <laughs> to our conversation knowledge. that just happened <laughs> but <laughs> there just were two players be. that year actually one mpo one fpo who uh 
One played four majors and had three second place finishes. The other played five majors and had th also three second place finishes and four podiums uh, without a win. They were all 100% in top tens. Uh, didn't get a win. Uh, it was Ricky Waisaki and Sarah Hokum. So you were right with, uh, with thinking Macbeth being really good that year. And uh, Ricky was number two. Unless you had a tiebreaker, but I heard you say you didn't. So we'll just roll. Well, all right. Wait, here's, here's, well, you yeah, told me not to have a tiebreaker. I got a tiebreaker. I gave the answer. I got a tiebreaker, and it's coming from the chat. Yep. Shout out to Steven. Who did USA <laughs> fire upon with their first shots in World War II? <laughs> um, and now we have to do this to where you got to write it down. Yes. I think it was. Uh, don't say it. Yet. Don't say I didn't it. Yet. Really answer that. Wait, do we have the answer though? Like, do I don't we know. know what it is? Uh, Steve, we're Steve, 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 we're gonna need the, the answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually are gonna need the I, answer. I think Steve. it was the Battle of Midway. I think it was Japan. Oh, so that'd be Japan. I yeah. just wrote. I just wrote down Japan. So it's on my phone, actually. Okay, Stephen, who do we got? He said, "Yes, All I right, do." It's if it's a tie, it's a tie. We we're not gonna do World War II. You want to know how I know the Battle of Midway? <laughs> so there's a great game called Battlefield 1942, and that was oh, one of the go. maps on it. Um, that one, and then Iwo Jima was another one. That game that. was Berlin that was, was great. Stalingrad, Omaha. Omaha Beach. I like Battlefield One. Oh, shout out to Dylan Cease the other day. Posted on his Instagram story. My man over here is playing the OG RuneScape. As <laughs> like, we speak, like uh, literally, as, soon as we log off, I'm gonna get grinding. <laughs> He's like going what? for 99 wood cutting tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, we Ethan. did we did keep you on a little longer. We apologize for that, but once a year we have to fit That's in a lot, good. and we we really appreciate where, your time. Where are you right now? Are you officially back in training? I'm in Peoria, Peoria, Arizona for uh, oh, spring training. Peoria. And I do, I do have to say, I might be coming on soon for uh, something else. So we'll see. Come on. Well, you got my, yeah. you got my number. Anytime you want, literally just hit me up. All right. I have yeah. the answer. Before you leave, we fired on the French defending Morocco. <laughs> Patton, who was fluent in French, has, has to land our troops and discuss it with the French and smooth things over. So there you go. There you go. You so you're both wrong. What? You tied at the end of this. So. Someone fact check that. Stat or fiction <laughs> on that one. Anyways. All right. Anyways, thank that you very much, Dylan. Can we can we like get a little leak out of what's going on with uh this what? What's happening? He's Let's saying he say might be coming back on. Oh yeah. It is disc golf related okay. and it would be uh it would be pretty big news. Wow. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Wow. I think it, it would be uh I think it'd be pretty exciting. Uh and I think there's a good chance that in uh Maybe in March I'll come on and uh, we can we can discuss a little further. I, I was Absolutely. just because now you know me. I've got questions. I'm like, is this yeah. a collab thing? Like, well, okay. I, I, we'll I would to, say I'll call well, you yeah. after the show, but if he's going to be grinding it out on RuneScape, <laughs> I'm going to let him be. And you know. all right. <laughs> so, anyways, thank you very much for your time. Totally awesome. Uh, very casual and cool to talk to, and you're doing great things out there. Um, last time Thank I you. sent you a text, you were pitching in Fenway Park, and that's so cool for us to know we got a disc golfer in there. So. Oh, speaking of which, do you know, are you pitching and like potentially pitching at Fenway this year? Do you have any idea? Yeah, we definitely go there. Whether or not I pitch it, right. it it's hard to say, but yeah. three out of five chance. So, uh, but he I mean, would be good, there. We yeah. can go as long, as, the team doesn't, as long as your team doesn't change up the rotation this time. <laughs> Yeah, bought tickets for a Sunday game, and it ended up being the Saturday start. So <laughs> I, I'm going to see you guys as soon as my season ends. We're going to Cactus Rock, and we're all getting around. And sounds good to me. Okay. I will happily do that. Awesome. So yeah. Dylan, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you uh, for coming into the sport and doing all these awesome things. We can't wait to hear some news going on in March. Um, everyone, check out Dylan's Instagram, Dylan C7. 
Uh, he just posted today that, or, you know, within the last few days that he had purchased a 60 acre course. He looks to make it a destination point in the sport of disc golf. It's super awesome. Having Dylan come into it. Dylan's an awesome dude. So check him out on Instagram. Dylan, thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, is there anything else you want to see before you go? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, no, I mean, uh, I'm feeling good, man. Sweet. I hope I hope come on in March and give you guys some more. Awesome. Days. Absolutely. We'll That's catch fun. up, man. Have, Have the best good. of luck this season right. as well. Good evening. Appreciate it. Peace. I'll talk to you guys later. Yep. Absolutely. Bye. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right. All right. End All the right. show right Hold now because like we got to call and we got to figure no. out what's going. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Can we get back to this World War II question? Because I I want to hear more from Stephen because I don't know if this is right. So I, he said I was it, googling it before. He said it was he after got, Pearl Harbor. Oh, is he still I in? I am seeing yeah, Dylan, Dylan still in. He can do the after show. I'm I'm him. Him. Dylan's say? still in. Put Dylan back up. <laughs> what are you going to say, Dylan? <laughs> see, see seems, you later, that Dylan. That seems like a loophole. That I'm seems looking, like a loophole type of question to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at a Wall Street Journal article, which I, I, I think they're pretty good, right? I don't know about war, <laughs> but uh, war. first to fire, U.S. gunner at Pearl Harbor is laid to rest. Uh, it was Alan Sanford was on the Navy ship that fired at the Japanese submarine. Uh Maybe that's just Pearl Harbor. I'm so, so now, confused. Now like Stephen's saying all it, these sources are saying now it was the USSS Ward. So the guy, the guy who's bringing us this question, goes, <sighs> "It was after Pearl Harbor since Congress had to declare war. We sent a fleet to Africa to oh. stave off the Germans getting the oil in the Mideast. And then further down, he goes, "We were not at war yet when the Jays attacked Pearl. Loophole. There it is. So, that's it. That's the loophole. The loophole. Dylan, oh, do you have anything to add on to that? <laughs> Hey, there's that's context. Bullshit. What are we? What are we talking about with Yeti last week? There's context that's, to everything. That's bullshit. <laughs> all right, once again, and we can keep doing this all night. That's totally yeah, fine. Keep coming back. Have a, I mean, if you're I'm leaving, not. you're leaving. If you're staying, you're staying. We got other topics. Yeah. But, all right. All right. I'll see you guys later. He just hangs up. He's like, I'm done. Um, okay. That's I love awesome. it. I love it. Here's my topics, and let's let's kind of rate them and decide like how we talk about them. Okay, because these are out there for we have 24 minutes to do it. You mentioned the challenge at Goat Hill. We could talk just a little bit if we want to. Um, that's something. Um, Dylan just texted me. He says, I didn't realize he was still on when I did that. My bad. (laughs) Dylan, you're always welcome on. I actually want to have like a whole trivia contest now. He's like, he's like, my bad. No, that was awesome. Thank you. That was cool. That's hilarious. Um, he's, he's invested in the show. That's all I was doing. Okay. The DGN live shows. Did you hear about this? The, they're doing now a live Mm pre-show, a middle between FPO and MPO live show. And a post round live show, so like that's pretty cool. We could talk about that. We we talk about all these, but I'm just giving you so we can decide. Chris Kristen Tatar, she just received the Estonia National like mm-hmm. Sports Player of the Year award, which is massive. But in that same post, she says she's feeling a little bit. I don't know if stressed is the right word, but also she mentions her shoulder or her arm in general, saying she's. I don't know if it's an English translation thing, but like kind of second guessing it. Mm-hmm. Like, is it really better? Um, All-Star Weekend preview. Like, what's the events? How are they going to play out? Um, uh, the number one ranked course in the world. Mm-hmm. Probably deserves a little bit of conversation. We do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and then Nico is back officially, right? February 8th. Am I incorrect? So he can play PDGA now. Okay. 
Do we know if he signed up for anything? <laughs> That's he what... just needs to sign up, though. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, do we know if, like, does he have a tour card? Is he signed up? That's what I'm curious of. I believe he has a tour card. What I last heard is he hasn't actually registered for any events. I don't know how that works with being suspended, if you can pre-register mm, yeah. for an event after suspension. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, sure. We'll he, see. I, I would I think would assume, you could pre-register. Like, I would think you could. Pro Tour, like, like I'm going to say this <laughs> in a general sense, but it would be dumb not to have Nico uh, on the event. Of course, there's all these other things that go into it. Uh, but the first event, he's back. That's a big That's a big narrative mm-hmm. uh, because there's been so much talk around him, whether people like him or don't. It's going to be a big deal. So yeah. those are the topics that are out there. I think now that we know those are the topics, we can kind of divide this time up evenly. Um, let's talk about a little bit the Disc Golf Network live shows. Well, I was going to, I was going to say just really quick before yeah. we do that, jump into Goat Hill really quick. Just literally have to give the shout outs. Eagle Man took it down. Uh, Jacob Cupcake Curtis getting second place. Parker Welk, who's actually, I think a local out in the California scene as well. I don't know how local to Goat Hill. Um, but they qualified for USDGC with getting second and third place at that event. Um, there, mm. I'm sure there are two other people that qualified for it as well. Um, but I'm not sure off the top of my head who they are. But then shout out to Maria Oliva. She took down the FPO side, and I think in a pretty dominant fashion. I know she had one really, really good round that I saw getting posted around big, Instagram. Big comeback. Yeah, so uh, against Jennifer like a, Allen. Like eight stroke swing in the back nine of the final yeah, round, something like that. Yeah, um, so. I forget the exact, but really big comeback from Maria. Jen Allen was looking solid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, and <laughs> Maria Oliva turned it on. So yeah. that's really cool. After Maria Oliva did get beat pretty bad by Jen in Over at Arizona. Yeah. So exactly. got some got some payback there. So pretty awesome. Big A tier. Yeah. Um, AJ's dad, AJ Risley's dad is actually the one who runs that event. He was in our chat a couple of weeks ago when we did the trivia show stuff. Um, anyways, great event. We've seen it for years. It's actually been a silver series as well in the past. So I think that yeah. was did Alden one, one year as a silver series. Uh ooh. I had it open at one point. I don't know right now. I think it was, I think it was Ricky actually. So Ricky won it was it a silver. Se- oh, that was the year that um at the track. Brody had qualified from USCGC at that event. Um, it was doing yeah, really well in the lead we, card. If we just hold on one second, I yeah. can pull it up. Alden but, won uh, it when it was no- an A tier. Okay. Uh, I think notable is also it's the first Disc Golf Masters Tour uh, yeah. event of the year. So that got kicked off. Kale Lavisca went into a playoff with, with Bobby. Uh, Bobby smooth music. Bobby music. That dude is and, smooth. Yeah, and and so that's just incredible. Uh that Gail Visca is playing MP40 events, yeah. uh, shows up and Bobby Music is like, hold on, yeah. not hold yet. up, you're coming into um, my state. I'm gonna take this. Okay, down so it's actually a silver series for two years. Mm-hmm. Um it oh, I'm just doing FPL right now. Oh my goodness. Uh Owen Scoggins and Lisa Fakus won it when it was a silver series event. Uh, we'll just need a little bit more time if I'm gonna stall and get the MPO, but we can move on <laughs> otherwise. Well, I just want to say really quick, it's really funny to me if you're looking at our chat at all. It's out of we control. literally have disc golf <laughs> chat going on, and then we have World War II and World War One <laughs> chat going on. It's literally so it's pretty, out of control. It's pretty awesome. I'm like That's reading so World funny. War II facts. You can tell they're who, argued about it. We have fans that are always in the chat. I mean, yeah. shout out Kent chapman westy acre all these people sorry i'm not taught everyone you can tell who likes the history and who yeah. doesn't so anyway shout did out get, to the, the a tier yeah did you get mpo yeah. for those silver series yeah i got it It was anthony brella in 2020 and ricky Baisaki in 2021 uh notably enough bobby music won this event twice before 2011 to 2017 at least that we have records for uh sepi payu won it in 2018 Sepapayu. which is pretty interesting alden harris won it last year which was uh 2022 mm-hmm. when it was just an a tier with uh, scoggins alongside her cool all right, 
Now we can jump over to DG. No, that was great. Eagle said that he hasn't won an A tier since 2019. And I'm like, well, how many A tiers has he played, Statmando? But, anyways, it, it's so he, it's his been since 2019 since he played just an A tier and won that. I see he's, he's yeah. looking it up. Yeah, he's got three. He was second oh. at three to three open in 2021, second at Colorado State wow. Disc Golf Championship in 2022, and now first. Okay. So only his third, uh, three okay. top twos. But still, so that's not okay. interesting. Um, the Disc Golf Network live shows, I think it just goes to say, because we're not breaking this down like we can on the Nick and Matt show, this was a move that had been in the, in, I don't want to say the plans, but in the, the brain space for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, me being a part of doing work, contract work for the Disc Golf Network and doing a, I hate to say it, but an ESPN type show where you're talking and analyzing and showing highlights and recaps. It was always the discussion of like, if we could move this show like pre-show or immediately post after a tournament, like that's where it really belongs. Like live and in the moment, people would stick around to watch it. I think it's going to be super beneficial. The problem is for me, that now it's going to be a 12 hour day. <laughs> like it's like pre FPO well, yeah. middle MPO post. Like it's crazy. I did hear that the talent on these extra shows will not be the commentators that you'll see during the, the round. Right. So that'll be nice that they're yep. not doing 12 hour days, you know, like your Terry Miller doing MPO and mm-hmm. FPO. Uh, he's showing up and just doing the broadcast he's doing. They'll have other talent, which is good because we get to hear from Absolutely. other people. Uh, plenty of people in the sport who are incredibly knowledgeable. Do we have any idea who the hosts are? You'd have to believe it's, I say you have I, to. Brian Earhart's people that are yeah, doing commentary Brian stuff. Earhart, Charlie Eisenhood. Yeah. I would assume they would. On, days, on weekends, they're not doing uh, commentary hey i haven't gotten the call yet but my my phone is open i wouldn't even be surprised if pay. like a jamie thomas i'll have to hit him up <laughs> if jamie down. thomas, thomas comes back yeah yeah um but it's going to be something like that i think it's just going to be great um what as a tech nerd the guy who likes doing my own production the amount of work that's going into this is not sit down and fly by the seat of your pants, talk about whatever happened during the the event. It's literally line by line down to the second about how, like what they're talking about and when they talk about it. 30 seconds here, mm-hmm. we're cutting to this clip, and which means they're lining up clips the whole time and plugging them in. I mean, it's going to be a massive amount of work. I'm just projecting how they're going to do it. I'd imagine it's going to be decent. I'd give them a little bit of grace in the very beginning for them to figure things out, but the concept is great. More disc golf content. Speaking of which, with Disc Golf Network, they just announced their new structured plan, if you will. So now instead of the final round of a tournament being live and free on YouTube, they are removing that and likely going to have the first round of these events broadcast live and free on YouTube, which means, and I've already seen this, people who have been riding the free train for the last round said, they got me. Like, now I have to buy it. Now they have to buy it. So... I was just about to ask, what's your personal opinion on this? I think it's beneficial, especially for the Disc Golf Network. I think if I'm a person who has literally just been watching post-produced and the live coverage on the final day, I'm bummed in the sense that I can't do that anymore. But at the same time, now, hopefully that just makes people more eager to look at the chat. I think it's a... The chat, they're all starting to chime. They got me. They got smart move. They got me 100%. Got me. (laughs) I mean, then, yeah, marketability wise, I mean, they did what they wanted to do in a sense. We talked about this last year and we were like, is this the right way to do it? Like, it felt wrong to me because I was like, why are are they giving away the best part of their product for free? 
but it was marketing. Mm-hmm. They had to show the product and it's, it wasn't its first year, but in it's like one of the big years they had to show it. it and if you're a longtime fan and you watched live broadcasts in, you know, 2016 to 2019 and you knew what it was like, yeah, it was, it was live. It was fun to watch disc golf live, but it wasn't quite like a live sports product that we right. kind of would expect from other sports. Uh, and so you're like, oh, do I want to pay that five to $10 a month or 1299? However it is now, uh, they might be skeptical. And so the last year having it be free was like, Hey, like we have a legit like quality sports product. Now, this is what it is. Everyone can now see that it is good. It is quality. And then we all know that this was going to come eventually. Uh, and so now we got to pay. And Hey, if you're a PDGA member, it's six fifty a month. Yeah. Uh, that is very cheap as far as and, streaming services. And go. if you're not, I think if you're not a yeah. hundred bucks for the year, which I know it's a hundred bucks, but a hundred bucks for the year. And I just see this, this will never die. Although it's gotten a lot better. Remember the whole live post debate was for the last three years. Yeah. It's gotten way better now, but I still see the comment when you work and you play disc golf, you don't have time for live, but I'll tell you what I just went on YouTube yesterday while I was cooking. Yes, I cook. I love doing meat and everything else. And I had on usdgc like live production or whatever yeah, like it was. the four hour cut of it right? yeah like yeah. live yeah. and i'm making it di- and like it's so i don't know why because it's like fillers it's like filler space you can kind of watch disc golf mm-hmm. hear the commentary go and dice up some things and watch the play it's not like joma's production i'll bring them up gk pro all of these par save everybody's making amazing productions they both have value i would tell you what you can go back and watch everything on dgn post you can go back and watch it post they also have on dgn and i'm not i don't work for them anymore right now they have so much extra content that you're not getting on youtube yeah like everything from documentaries Mm -hmm. to other shows you didn't even know about daily disc golf stuff Mm -hmm. i mean it's all there it's well worth it are on there that are strictly exclusive to well worth you know the disc golf if you network. like listening to me talk and you're just like uh nick and matt are just hard to listen to. i'm yeah. just joking and a lot of people I, say like, that i'm telling a lot yeah. of people do say that <laughs> somehow which if you say that you're wrong i'm sorry i'm just gonna call you out you're yeah, wrong it's the haters I, but it's, so yeah i mean yeah, shout, out, shout out to on there. it's great evan's podcast that he's on, on the disc golf <laughs> network and then the party podcast which talks <laughs> mostly about the fpo scene one of our great friends hannah mm-hmm. and christine are the producers of that. And that is something that is also behind the disc golf network paywall. We, and we get nothing for saying disc golf network's great. I just actually believe in it. It's, oh, I, I got the great. PayPal from them earlier. Don't worry. I'll, oh, so yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nick goes, actually, this yeah. is an well, undercover ad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to bring up an idea, which like, I hope I'm not being like insensitive to any like equitable, equitable conversation, but what if there was the situation where FPO final round was free, but MPO was behind a paywall. Would that, like, would that be insensitive conversation or would that be a good way to showcase FPO, get those viewers up, let people know how good the product is, but keep MPO behind a paywall? I mean, like, I don't know, dude, I know what you're trying to say. I actually get it. And for the sake of conversation, I'm going to say, and this is not to make your take a bad question, but is to say FPO's excitement factor is at an all time high. Like, I think it's worth saying, no, you got to pay for it to watch it at this mm-hmm. point. That's where I'm at with yeah. it. Um, oh, wow. I love this fire take. And so I think it's a great question and I think it could go either way, but I I feel like it's worth paying for right now because Mm -hmm. it's at an all time high. Yeah. Uh, Krista Tatar is at an all time high right now. Her, like her fandom is incredible. Okay. Next topic. Love Kristen Kristen Tatar. Tatar. Yeah. 
is she uh, is she going to be is she going to be all-time high this year or what are we going to see like we already said it last or last week or 2 weeks ago that is going to be really hard to keep up with what she did last year so what are we going to say is a good performance from her if we were to look at the end of a season is 3 or 4 wins good and we say that's fine like where are we at with that yeah, I'll start. I think like I personally think she's going to get off to a little bit of a slow start, but I do think she's going to pick it up and hit the same peak she did last wow. year. If she finished the year, let's say elite series and majors, if she finished those with only three or four wins, I would say I wouldn't say disappointed, but I would say uh, doesn't meet expectations. I think the expectation is to match her wins last year, which I believe was five, maybe six with the Pro Tour Championship. And that's with missing a lot of time. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if she doesn't win two majors, I do think people might be a little bit disappointed if she only wins <laughs> one so major, crazy. whether she misses time or or she just doesn't win three of them. Like, I think people will question it and be like, it, she wow. Like, She's the best player we have right now. And I think the expectation is to win at least two majors. We did this with Paige Pierce. She was the like dominant force for years. And then she like had a 96 rated FPO player. And then she had like a year where she didn't win the same amount. Mm -hmm. And we're like, wow, like that's not good. And I think what you're pointing out here is Kristen had this one year where she was, I don't want to say like dominant, like it was convincingly the best. But yeah. dominant would mean Paige didn't have the wins. She, anyways, yeah. I just don't know that. Yeah, it, realistically, it, it, head to head, people. Yeah. Who do you think wins more events this year? If they all, if they, if Paige Katrina, and Kat, Paige. or excuse me, if Paige and um, Kristen Woo. play the same exact, let's say, ten elite series events. Who do you think wins more? Haley King. No. <laughs> right. I, I got to go with Tatar. Like, I still yeah. think Tatar will have the most wins of anyone, regardless of how many events she plays. Like, I'll probably set the mark around six to eight would be my guess for yeah. the whole season, elite majors. Um, it, and it could easily be higher. It, it could be like four to five, but I just, I really think she's going to hit, you know, about six at the minimum. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's just leave it at that. Again, go look at her own post and yeah. read into that. Hopefully, if you yeah, will. hopefully she, she gets the confidence with the elbow. I know she's not. Yeah, she's not coming over for the All Star break, but I think she's no coming. All Stars, no Vegas. So right. she's coming Wake to start the Texas swing. <clears throat> yes, and then so we'll see how long she'll be in for the first leg of the tour. So we'll see. Um, as I mentioned, yeah. uh, and brings up DGN again. Check it out. It was fun seeing Paul and Ricky, mm-hmm. like in almost like a Nick and Matt show style, like two players up there talking wherever they were located with their headphones on and they're like i pick this player and it was funny to see go check it out they weren't very sure about the format or at least ricky wasn't ricky's like can someone explain to me it was like during the draft can someone explain to me like what are we actually going to be doing and like how many of each player like so he wasn't prepared in my mind at all paul seemed like he had it pretty prepared out some of the details weren't there. You could tell he's like, are me and Rick are like going to end up playing at the end against each other? And it seemed like there was some sort of like, yes. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be amazing. Um, I'm interested it to see the, the same format as last year, right? Uh, yes. I haven't heard any changes. Yes. Yeah, so the putting stations, there's going to be shot shaping, they call it, or accuracy. Um, they have what they're calling controlled distance. Okay. Um, similar to what we just saw at the USDGC's distance Uh and they have doubles competition and singles competition. 
but yeah, like if you get these players on the same card, that's where it starts to get exciting and see who can carry yeah. who on who's back kind of a thing. Do we want to cover what the teams are? I have it in front of me if we want to. You just Yeah, go ahead and read them out. That's fine. Uh, all right, yeah. So uh, on Team Ricky, uh, for the putters, we have Ricky Wysocki and Gannon Burr. On Team Control Distance, we have Simon Lazat and Kyle Klein. And on the Accuracy, we have James Conrad and Matt Oram. For Team Paul, uh, for putting, we have Chris Stickerson and Isaac Robinson. For Control Distance, we have Calvin Heimberg and Kevin Jones. And for Accuracy, we have Paul McBeth himself and Joel Freeman. So as they made the picks, they had to decide what uh, – position i guess mm -hmm. these players will be playing they'll get to pick a doubles team as well uh and then singles will be matched up based on their points record for each team so uh team ricky will be ordered in their disc golf pro tour standings from last year and same with uh paul and they'll match up directly with each other so mm -hmm. paul and ricky will play against each other for the final round singles so that uh, should be fun on the FPO side, we have Team Katrina and Team Own. Uh, notably, we have um, Paige Pierce, Kristen Tatar, Valerie Mandujano, and maybe a few others missing it. Um, but we still have a really good crew of women just after those notable players. So on Team Katrina, we have Katrina Allen and Alexis Mandujano doing the putting. Accuracy, we have Evelina Salonen and Sarah Hokum. Uh, and distance, control distance, we have Hedda Blomers and Jennifer Allen. Uh, that sounds like a good team. Uh, yeah. If Evelyn is yeah. not doing distance, like, oof. Uh, team own, we have Owen Scoggins and Missy Gannon putting. Uh, Holland Handley and uh, Kat Mersch doing accuracy and Ella Hansen and Maria Levy doing distance. Okay, that team sounds really good too. I got ahead of myself. Uh, so I think it'll be super exciting. I really liked the format last year. I thought it was a huge upgrade from the 2021 version, uh, which yes. was in the Fountain Hills the Memorial Fountain Hills version. Um, that, they did some different doubles competitions, but this one I thought was really, really good. I think the only thing that I think needs a little bit of work, which I'm sure it will, is the accuracy. Uh, just a little bit more um, like defining what it is, but I did think it was really good. The putting was electric last year. The distance, I think the players just went out of bounds too much, but that's on them. I think the competition's awesome. And then the doubles and singles, like there's so much good, just like disc golf content from this and a ton of fun to watch. I think it's, it's perfect as it is right now and it can always grow, but it is an exciting event and I'm stoked for it. Not just because disc golf's back, but because it's fun to watch. So their production value has continued to go up in the live production. Like watching, as you mentioned last year, Evan, the disc golf live, way different than it was the year before or the year before. I mean, drastically, like the crazy real-time replays, uh, the graphics packages that they're preparing beforehand, the whole, th they're, they're doing a really good job. And what's crazy is it's only going to keep getting better, mm -hmm. which means that's part of the entertainment value of all-star weekend is not just a camera looking at the players, but the production value of how it is going from the booth with things to maybe real interviews in the moment of like, what are you going to throw Paul? You know, like making it live, really fun, all-star environment. I'm looking forward to it. I don't have any sneak peek on it, but I'm thinking we're going to see some new things at the all-star event. Yeah. I'm uh, super excited for it. Yep. I'm and ready then, to watch some disc golf. Again. Yeah. It's, it's here this weekend, man. Um, we already said Nico's back. He's someone said he signed up for LVC, so we should start Previous seeing him out there. That he's won. We, we should see that. And then um I think we just need to give at least a nod to our home course here in Massachusetts of Maple Hill. Mm -hmm. Three Pete world number one ranked disc golf course according to UDisc, which they have their whole criteria and the way that they they come up with this information. Um something is popularity, but I think they do a pretty good job at 
looking at reviews and everything else. But I will give my take. While it's so amazing, the course is phenomenal, and I I have a hard time giving my take because I live here. Not at Maple Hill, literally, but I live seven minutes from there, and so I see it all the time. As much magic as there is, I believe that I probably take it for granted at some level. I'd have to move away to really miss it. I think what's happening a lot of times, and this is part of the aura of Maple Hill, people hear it's number one ranked. Uh, from around the world, they hear about this event. Um, they see the old history of it. They they know the things that have happened, the pond jumps, the fact that it is now a playoff event. All of this culminating together, it's like the mecca of disc golf in that sense. They travel here. In fact, somebody reached out to the Nick and Matt show tonight and said, hey, I, I almost got to go find it. I convinced my wife because I didn't have to like work this weekend or something to travel from, I think it was like Indiana to Maple Hill Ooh, wow. just for the weekend to play Maple Hill. I am an avid listener of the Nick and Matt show. And I'd love for someone from the Nick and Matt show to join up. Get, well, pay for your tea time. Just want to get around in Maple Hill with you guys. My point is people do this. They get a weekend off and they're like, honey, like I'm going to Maple Hill <laughs> from like across the country. You get there your expectations are high, but it, you almost feel like you get it too high where you like, you like just deflates it when you get there, but people just take it in and it just builds on its own legacy. Like yeah. it continues to build on its own legacy. People go and write the reviews and it's uh, how long before it's knocked off. Number one. I don't know. I mean, I think Cause there's definitely better yeah, courses in my mind. Yeah. But this is a big conversation because it's not stats based. We've played it so much. So I don't really know what that feeling is like of saying, you know, oh, I've been dreaming about the day that I go play Maple Hill. Right. We've played it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. But I will say when like I just played Maple Hill for the first time in forever on Sunday or yesterday. And it was pretty awesome stepping up to hole one again. And we just played the blues layout. So I wasn't even standing up at Gold's where they have the massive tee pad now. But just the kind of picturesque atmosphere that that has right when you step up to hole one is pretty awesome like you said i i think there are better courses in a sense but all of it but together all around uh, everything and, but i will say like the pro shop there yeah. the sap house the it's amazing the environment that that place has in the summertime is any disc golfer's dream of this is just an awesome place to go almost every single time i go to maple hill when i'm here during the summer i see multiple multiple people that i know can we so, say this, it, and we all agree, if you're a top 10 course, you're probably all at the same level. The difference being someone has yes. to get number one. Mm -hmm. And again, I think the tip of the hat goes to the fact of the history and the stories of Maple Hill. I think anyone yeah. in the top 10 deserves it. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think Maple Hill just checks all the boxes, yeah. and that's why that's number one. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of top 10 courses that are really good at a lot of things. It might be incredibly beautiful. Yep. It might be an incredibly good pro course or an incredibly good amateur course. But I think Maple Hill, why it stands above the rest and why I, I think there's no one touching it for number one right now is because it is an amazing place to play no matter your rating. Like mm -hmm. Reds is a ton of fun for all ratings, first Reds of all. Reds is a blast. Like, Simon, Simon can go there yeah. and play <laughs> That's it what I wanted to play yesterday but was Reds. If, 
Yeah, if just if I like when I lived in Central Mass, I'm a little bit far away now. If I was bringing someone to their first round of disc golf ever, I'm gonna be like, yeah, let's go play Maple Hill Reds. Like, mm-hmm. uh, one, I mean, like fifteen bucks or whatever for a new disc golfer is like, hey, that's what sports cost sometimes. But it's such a friendly layout to people uh, who are playing for the first time. But it's also incredibly beautiful. It's well maintained. You go to a lot of courses, and their short tees are just junk. Uh, but then you also have the ability to move up. You can go from red to white to blue to diamond to gold, and then all the other layouts in between and then you're in there it's absolutely beautiful it has a pro shop it has the legacy it has everything where if you might go to another course um that's fantastic let's just say fox run uh which is my fox run is yeah is fantastic but like they're beside if you're like not in like I really want to say like about a 900 I'm 880 and I'll say maybe I'm uh towards that limit of if you're not as good at that it's hard to have fun there because the t's are definitely for pro uh players mm-hmm. like you still have fun there i'm sorry i'm Let, not let's trying go to back. knock smugs smugglers notch is fantastic i absolutely love you it made I, your that point. was harsh but for a top 10 course that's where i'm trying to be they do for. have shorter t's but to to this point because we're we're at time but, but not but, like maple hill no but, but yes, let's wrap yeah. it up so here fenway park if i say fenway park is that the nicest stadium out there no. Is that the best stadium in baseball? Yeah, it's got the freaking green monster. <laughs> lot, yes. Six, so, three, maybe not, so but yes. You're gonna, yeah. So what you're going to do is you're going to list things that make it special. Green monster. You're going to talk. If, has anyone ever said they walked on the Fenway? $15 sausages. And they didn't water? feel. People are going to say they, did, they feel Love like they're. Love me dirty water. People say they feel like they're right on the field when yeah. they walk out there. Like you, it's very intimate. That's um, absolutely true. You go to other stadiums and they're ginormous. Right. I actually wanted to review stadiums with Dylan. I thought that would be fun. <laughs> I but, guess so. Uh, next time he's on. Time. The, the point go, I'm making you is to you're, you're going to list Fenway and it's a different atmosphere. Yeah. The point is right. You're going to, you're going to list. Yeah. But do they have a wide. green monster? No, but Maple no, Hill has the pond. Ivy walls. Like Maple uh, Hill has hole 18's green. Maple Hill has the pond. It has hole 8's pond. It has 14. Like the point is you talk about these special things about it. The memory of, Whatever. And that's why it's there. All of it combined. Tip of the hat to Steve Dodge and anyone else who has a hand in that property there. Um, it's incredible. Hopefully there's some way that that's agreed to never disappear, which I don't know. <laughs> I knock on wood. Yeah. I don't know yeah, anything. I mean, it's, it's, it's a private, it's no a private venue. It's a private venue. Yeah. Who knows? But. So. Um, anyways, we did cover a lot. If you're listening in one and a half times speed or two times speed, you even got more. Mm-hmm. I know some people that do that when they listen in normal speed, they say our voices sound funny because they're used to us talking. You to us in the fast speed. Yeah. We'll have to start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tomorrow is Valentine's day. Yep. What? So take your significant other disc golfing. I'm sure that's what they want mm-hmm. to do. Tell them the Nick and Matt show said that's the date of all dates. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's what you do. Oh boy. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Hey, everybody drop a comment for intern yeah. Ben. What should he do for his significant other I tomorrow? Did, I already got her a gift, but I did oh, not realize it was tomorrow. A walk around Ben's tackle shack. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you want to shout out? We're getting closer. Yeah. We're, what we're about a closer. month away from something You know something what we're big. talking about. The Northeast Disc Golf Expo is coming up in a month, March 18th and 19th, 2023. List the big hitters. Like all the big, no. Okay. We Big hitters are obviously Maple Hill, Disc Golf 978, This Mania, Thought Space, MVP, Smuggler's Notch, Circle One Disc. Uh, Overthrow Disc Golf is going to be giving free form reviews. Robbie C. Disc Golf is going to be there. Jesse from Trash Panda is going to be there. And a bunch of other local vendors. Nick and Matt Show, Stat Mando. Oh, yeah, you guys. I keep forgetting you guys. That's because you're sitting with us. Exactly. I get it. But I, 
it's, I just it's got these fun. hats in today. Available exclusively at the oh, disc golf, Northeast hey. Disc Golf Expo. It's going to be a weekend yeah. long party. So yeah. anyone who can show up should. It cost how much at the door? 12, 12 bucks to get in. Come on, that's nothing. Order from Disc Golf 978 or Marshall Street. It's 10 bucks to get in because they ship you a coupon with your order. There you go. Man, Ooh. there's going to be giveaways. It's going to be a blast. Um, I'm thinking I might try to figure out how to set up a Nick and Matt show experience. Maybe bring in the green screen or we'll do some live interviews or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that'd be sick. We'll see. Yeah. That First sounds cool. Disc golf convention. Pretty cool, man. Yep. Good job. Thank it's, you. it's coming together. Come together. I mean, when 20 people roll through the door and that's it, we'll all have a good party. Dude, but. I will cry. I will, I will literally cry. And I will be so embarrassed. But I was at, a, I was at an event this weekend, and I right. went up to a bunch of people and said, have you heard about the Northeast Disco Festival? They're like, yeah, I have. You're like, oh, sweet. I don't know who's doing that thing, but it sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so it's awesome. It's, getting, it's yeah. getting out there. The name's out there. So show up. And um, thoughts become fun. things. Hey, perfect opportunity. Just saw in the chat, but perfect opportunity to judge judge some disc golfers. Ooh. I know someone's. I yep. I could literally I set up just like a, yeah. a stool and a green screen, yep. and we just and judge just people. anyone that's coming by the tent, be like, "Yo, judge this guy really quick, or judge this girl." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just do it live. <laughs> well, but that's we could actually hope. do it watching overthrow do form reviews. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just like stand there yeah. and like judge them. <laughs> Anyways, what we're saying is to anyone around this area or anyone who wants to travel for it, come out and what are the dates? March 18th and 19th, 2023. So it's two days. Two That's days. a weekend too. 18th yes. and 19th. That is a Saturday and a Sunday. Come out for the Northeast Disc Golf Expo. Holy where? cow. At the Boxborough Regency in Boxborough, Mass. It's right in Central Mass. March 18th, Boxborough 19th. with a B. Boxborough with a B. Not with, not B as in boy. I am yeah. going to be busy. I just realized I'm going to be in Michigan for the week, fly home, go to this for the weekend. Okay, good. Yes. And then the next day, fly out to go to like West Green Bay or something. Nice. <laughs> like for three weeks. Uh, honey, I'll make Valentine's Day really good tomorrow. Yes. So, All right. There we go. There we go. All right, everybody. Well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give my own shameless plug. Um, Discira moved warehouses recently over the last uh, month or so, um, which is why things have been a little bit slow on that end. But now... Pretty much, we are fully back in production. We moved to a bigger warehouse, which is an awesome problem to have. We outgrew our other place. So that's been super exciting. But check us out at DiscariaDG on our Instagram or DiscariaDG.com. We do have the code Nick and Matt. So if you do order anything, you get 10% off. You heard it here. Uh, But also, we have a bunch of new stuff coming out. And everything should actually be getting launched and spoken about on Wednesday. So super exciting. We have some great additions to the team. Um, Dylan Cease. Is that the yeah, imagine that'd be sick. <laughs> no, but we have some awesome. We we got some shooters that joined the team this year, and um, actually, one of the people that's on the Discurious team was the realtor helping out Dylan with his property down in Alabama. So it's just funny how the disc golf world works. Ooh. Ton of cool connections. I know. Anyways, cool. Check us out on Instagram or Facebook. You'll see all the up to date stuff like that. I. I'm doing this for free. This is literally not an ad placement, but it's sitting on my desk. See mm-hmm. this blue mini. This is the winter. Can I, can I see what it smells like? Yeah. And the we got to close out. You can blend. close this out. But we are going to close out while he is, is doing that. Nasty, can we get the good. little piano music on like a low key volume? Uh, let's, do, let's, see, can we do that? let's do this. So everybody, thank you for tuning in on this wonderful Monday night. We had an awesome show talking about Ganonbird leaving Prodigy Disc, potentially going to Discmania, the trilogy. We don't really know yet. Dylan C's jumped on the show for a little bit, hung out with us, talked about everything with Cactus Rocks, and then also a ton of stuff about the MLB. And apparently he's a World War II fanatic when it comes to the history of it. So... 
Thank you everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on the video. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right. Ben, you're awesome. Nick, tell someone you love them. It's Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. (laughs) Evan, you're awesome. Thanks, Dylan, for coming on. Big show's lined up. See what happens with Gannon. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.